Dude, I I I like Brock a lot. Um I like Brock a lot. He's um he's a real sincere dude. Um I don't know because transparently when I first started hearing about Brock, he's a wild motherfucker. Yeah, it, it depending on who you you are talking to, people have different things to say about him and I, I I guess he was he was one way for a long time like me and then he went through some things and then came out of that the way that I know him, yeah. um, which is cool. And I like to give people grace <clears throat> because obviously I've had a journey like that. Um, but I've ever since I met him, I really like him. He's a genuine dude. He does a lot of work for like men's mental health. Oh, yeah. I've been trying to get him to come to the men's group. I have too. He's he's not Wednesdays is tough for him, but he's got his own one. Uh, just a workout. Them. I know. I've, I've actually spoke at one of them uh, before. Yeah. Oh shit! I didn't know. I so yeah, when Brock was going through his shit, man. So I knew him before, <laughs> during, and after. Yeah. And like during. Uh, like I was willing to fight him. So like he'll even, he'll tell you a story one day. He might even tell, he told basically to my hockey team, but he also uh, put a post about it the other day. He does randomly throughout the years, but like I was literally at wheelhouse. I remember the night he was just on a fucking tear for months after his dad died. The blues went to the Stanley yeah. cup and a whole bunch of shit happened. Yeah. And I like, was like, let's go outside. We're fucking fighting. Mm -hmm. And like, totally. Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, let's fucking go, man. Yeah. He's like, you're the only friend that was willing to fight me to get me to change. Yeah. He's like, everybody else has just let me go. I was like, he was like, you were literally ready to fight me yeah. to get me to change. He's like, you didn't talk about how my back, everything you said to my face. And he's like, yeah. I, I'm forever grateful for that stuff. Man. So it bonded us close together after that point. But I was, I was like, man, I'm going to either beat your ass or you're going to change. One of the two, like, this can't continue. You're going to be dead or in jail. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know it, but losing your dad, man. And it was his number one person. Exactly. He was Especially a pro hockey close. players. Yeah. You know, they were that close. They spent every day together, all day. His dad ran the gym. And the, I mean, hockey was their life. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, we're talking about a, a guy, friend, friend of both of ours, who owns, uh, it's, uh, it's called Force, Force Performance um, out in, uh, here in St. Louis. Beautiful gym. Now he coaches athletes. This dude is an absolute tank. Dude. He's an unbelievable human. Tank, bro. Tank. One of the most impressive, impressively strong people I've ever met, and I've met so many strong people, uh, and, and honestly, that's like the least most valuable quality to highlight about him, but this dude literally does single leg, uh, rear foot ele elevated split squats with like 600 pounds on it's his insane. back. His athletic ability <laughs> like, is yo. insane, dude. I watch him as a freak of nature, and then I just saw him again, and he's even bigger. I'm like, dude, dude uh, Jack, you can't even deadlift that. Yeah. <laughs> Most <laughs> people can't even move that, bro. Like. That is insane, but yeah. absolute dog, um, dude. Uh, do you do you listen to any podcasts? I was just thinking about this. I mean, I listen to Andy's podcast. I was just gonna say, yeah. Did you listen to today? I haven't listened to today's. A lot of uh, people put it up. I didn't put it up though. Man. I didn't listen to it today. Um, today was a busy one, but yeah, of course I popped that one on here and there. What's his name? But, Brantley Gilbert is like a. I think that's his name. Yeah, it's country singer Brantley Gilbert. Those yeah. guns he got him, bro. Those, bro. But that guy, I was listening to Brantley Gilbert. I looked into him a little bit too. Like I know his music actually, but I've never, I don't really follow celebrities on social media. So I never checked out his page or anything, but I did. This dude lives in like a bunker. Like he's like, he's real. I mean, he's, he's out there and I like the way he thinks. Uh, yeah. um, he like lives in a, like for example, one of the features that he highlighted uh, in one of his Instagram posts about his house is that the person he bought it from was like a highly suspicious person um, and somehow he set up all the power to the house, the air conditioning, the HVAC, all the stuff 
in a way that it's not accessible from the outside of the building. So you, nobody could ever cut the power to his house or or something like like it's. Did it's, he go into that? It's on the really, show? huh? Did he go into? No, that he didn't. I I was digging through his Instagram and like everything is like all the doors are like steel reinforced, like they're like bulletproof. Like oh, he's ready for war. He's. <laughs> <laughs> but what he did say on the show is uh, something that I I'm really really interested in, but. Um, he uh, he said like, you know, at the beginning he never been into politics much um, until these last couple of years, which I think a lot of people can relate to that. Tons. But his wife in 2020, or maybe or 2021, started talking to him. And said, "Hey, he's got two kids. He's like, hey, hey, you know, I really want to homeschool the kids. Like, I'm worried about you know, sort of them going to school." And and he was like, "My at first, my attitude was like, no, like the kids are gonna go to the same school that you went to, same school that I went to, like." We turned out okay, and then, you know, she kept hounding me, hounding me, hounding me, and eventually I started looking into some of the books that, you know, teachers are are, are handing out and assigning to kids and some of the things that are going on in schools, and I started warming up to the idea, but long story short, his wife ended up deciding to homeschool the kids and, and opened it up to people in their community. Well, like, now they have a full-on school. They literally started a whole school, and he, in order to get on board, he said he had a few things that were like make or break for him. He was like non-negotiable. If we're going to do this and I'm going to be a part of it, this is some of the things. And um, one of them is that it was going to be faith-based, which I think is is really cool. Like they, you know, they do a daily prayer and stuff like that in school. And then the other thing, though, is that every teacher is armed and trained with, uh, with, with, with the firearm. He provides a firearm and they all are trained in knowing how to use it just in case you know, anything happens. Um, That's wild. And it, the third thing, it was three three things. And the third thing was that they spend time outside every day and they teach them how to do stuff like fish and, you know, all that stuff and plant, um, you know, grow stuff. But yeah, he, he had the guy from that book that I told you, The Warrior Poet Way. He had that guy, the author of that book, who's like an ex-army ranger come in and train all of his teachers in how cool. to use firearms. And I'm like, man, that's sick. But it got me thinking like, that's something that I, I really think more people need to do. Like, is, it, is, it, is the school state accredited? Like if a kid graduates I have no idea. There? I have no idea. Because if it is, I mean, at the end of the day, it's no different than go to school. Just somebody started a private school and I came don't, up their own rules. I don't, I, he didn't make it sound like that. This is their first year. And um, they've got like, I don't know, I can't, I can't remember what he said, but they're, they're, they're at capacity. They had to turn away some families, um, at least for this year. And he said next year they'll be able to. My explain. only thing with something like that is now – if you don't like the way school's teaching, now you're teaching one way. So now everybody in there is thinking the exact same way. Mm -hmm. The one thing about school is you meet people from all different walks of life. They have yeah. their own personalities, their own ways, their own way they look at things. Yeah. Um, now, teaching your kids your own beliefs is one thing, but mm -hmm. also teaching them how to blend in the world so they understand everything that's coming around them from all different angles, I think yeah. is a totally different thing. And that way seems like it's producing people that don't think only one way, the way to decide who they mm. choose to get put in there and all that stuff. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective on it. I mean, one thing I think about is these if you start a school, because this is something that I'm seriously interested in. I've thought so much about it because truly at this point, Grace and I are probably if we had kids today, we would homeschool for sure. And 
I don't think that that's. And a, I don't disagree with homeschooling. Yeah, I don't think that that's a scalable solution. And the reality is, when we, when you, me and you were in high school, all the homeschool kids, they were fucking weird. They were super know, weird. You know what I mean? We did. It's still a scary thought too that it, they could turn out weird because you got to make sure when you're doing it, they got to be, be a good parent, and you got to bring around people yes. too. You can't homeschool and then isolate after homeschool and then isolate them because then they're weird and they don't yeah. have the social exposure. But to counter your point, I would say that in public school or in private school, they're also being taught one way to think. So the cool thing about a school is that all of these kids are from different families and these different families have their own, you know, beliefs and they have their own norms and you know, their own culture. Maybe they're, some are Italian, some are black, some are white, some are Chinese and all these. So in a community, you have a diversity of thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and cultures, and then they all come to school. And yes, we are teaching them one way to think. We're, our goal is to prepare them to be equipped with the skills and information that they need to be successful in life, right? But <clears throat> rather than them learning about Tommy has two mommies today, we're gonna teach them about World War II, you know? Uh, and I think, so I think the curriculum is not, I would argue that the curriculum is not quite as the state's got a curriculum regardless. Exactly. So if you want to get a credit and go to high school and graduate a diploma that's accredited <laughs> to college, you have to file a state curriculum. So no that was a, what, which teaches you World War II, teaches you other stuff. So that was the question that I have for you is, do you see, because I, I, in my opinion, a high school diploma, the college degrees, they're getting less and less valuable. Like employers don't give a shit. Like my, my ex-employer, like, a lot of his most successful people, they don't, they don't have college degrees. They don't have nothing. Do you foresee a, a time where, like, or do you think there's any merit to starting a school and saying, I don't really care if it's accredited or not. I'm trying to prepare the kids for life. Because right now, I, I, think, I, would, I think there's an argument that could be made that kids are going to school and learning stuff that's either antiquated, doesn't really apply to the world as, as it is today. You know, you're teaching kids um, math problems that, 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 you know, AI or their phone or software or algorithms can do like this. Why are we spending all this time learning something that in today's world, we realistically don't do that anymore. You know what I mean? History, English, those things are different, but like some of the science, some of the texts um, and some of the mathematics is stuff that is so antiquated now that it's, we're arguably not, not really preparing the kids. We're just, we're just biding their time and providing daycare, you know? So let's say like a school like that popped up and it's not accredited and you and you you have a lot more faith in its curriculum than the, than the public school's curriculum do you value the high school diploma enough to say man i can't do that um all right so isn't that an interesting thought it know. is now, two things on there i don't know I, I wish i had a little more research on this to speak mm -hmm. properly because i don't like speaking out of line with it but i'm pretty sure there's legal laws that certain kids have to be in school and if you pull them out to be homeschooled you have to put them in legally to show that a kid's going to school and getting an education or they get put in a public school system. Like it's illegal to keep a kid out of school. I'm really? Sure. Yeah. Ah, you're so, a parent. So you would know. I, now, I, I don't know about the other side of that question. So I don't know legally, but yeah. I do know you legally have to put your kid in school. And if you pull them out to homeschool, you have to, you have to submit to, that, to state that you're homeschooling your child. Got it. So we, we as a United, just like China does too, like you can't keep a kid out of school in different countries. Got like you got to put them in school at that point. Yeah. I don't so, know. I'm losing faith in the system, man. It's, it really is sad, but I really am. The school now, system. Now, where I think all that comes back and ties back together is sports at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, like, um, I think you'll never get rid of high school diplomas, and you're sure as hell not getting rid of colleges, you know, for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, a lot of employers 
Actually, it's not as many as you think. A lot of people say that employers don't care about college degrees, but if you want to get into corporate America, that's a totally different world. And you 100% oh. need a degree. And yeah. corporate America runs the world, like yeah. on the big side of it. Small businesses run your area. Corporate America runs the world. If you want to enter that world, you better have a college degree. You ain't getting in that Got world. It. Uh, but also, here's what I think colleges do. Uh, me and Nate were actually talking about this last night. Yeah. 18 years old, you're not ready to come out in this world. Most people ain't ready to come out of this world as a job environment. What it teaches you, especially if you're a college athlete, it teaches you how to show up on time, do your job, and do your other job that you got to do. Yeah. And making sure. And if you graduate, you did well in school, you showed up to play your sport, and you graduate from there, like, yeah, that's the people I want to hire, people that know they can be responsible in it. Your degree they actually don't care about your degree, even in corporate America. They yeah. just want to know that you'll do the job and show up on time. Yeah. That's what a lot about college degrees about this day and age. Yeah. You went to college? Yeah. Yeah. And now you're around college kids all day, too. You're, you're all a day. college hockey college hockey coach? Yep. Hell yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I so, think about it, man. But now, the, the beauty about college is you get to decide. <laughs> and then once you get past the politics of the things that you don't want to learn in high school, yeah. which crazy is the things that I thought I didn't want to learn in high school is actually things I go back on, like history. I was like, this fucking sucks. Now you want to learn. Now I want, that's all I want to learn about. Yeah. You know? So like yeah. my priorities changed to what I liked back then. But in college, besides your prereqs, which is, you know, it's not as many as you think, you get to learn what you want to learn. You get to choose the classes you want yeah. to learn. You know, if you want to learn a foreign language, learn a foreign language. You want to learn about archaeology, learn about archaeology. Economics, like I loved my economics classes, yeah. you know. They taught me a lot more about econ in the world, about the stock market, about trade, how to move money, a lot more than you actually think. So you get to choose what you actually learn. And if yeah. you take advantage of somebody, for one, paying for your school from your education, you're talking about athletes. Well, athletes or people that did that just got um, scholarships. Scholarships from being smart in high school, doing well. You know, if you get somebody to pay for that and you get to choose what you learn, mm -hmm. that's a free education. And we're supposed to be learning every single day. That's what books are for. That's what mm -hmm. everything else is for. So, like, choose yeah. a good path that you want to learn. Doesn't mean you have to pursue that career, but at least you get an education in that yeah. department. Yeah. No, I love. I, I don't know. I, I like that. You're you're one of my only friends. I think that has a a positive outlook on, or at least that values going to college. Um, it's like a lot of the most successful people, actually for a fact, the most successful people that I know did not go to college um, and are and don't value it quite as much. And obviously I, I respect them a lot and, and really listen to their perspective. Who's, who's that person? Because so, Andy went to college. So Andy dropped out of college. He, yeah, went to college he, he went to community college for one year. No, he went to Southwest. Um, oh, yes, yeah, That's yeah. where they started us too. Him, him and Chris Klein. Klein graduated from out Southwest. In, um, out so in Springfield, yeah. But he dropped eight. out after his first year. And then Jason um, oh, yeah, from Jason Strange, sure. <laughs> yeah. he didn't go to college. And then Chris ended up graduating, so he did go to college. And yep. then Sal also... But Sal was an uh, athlete, just like yeah, uh, he should have been pro. His yeah. story. He was. He was actually so going to headquarters on Friday with our hockey team. Yeah, we go every year, and Sal talks to our players every year before we go to nationals. Yeah. But so Sal, Sal was really good athlete. But that that was his that was his college experience. That was playing baseball. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I'm not, who's to say whether he would have went or didn't go if he if he didn't play baseball? But um, which is a lot of. I mean, that's athletics. Yeah, you know, that's athletics right there. Um, you know? And that's I think if it's free. That's one thing, and I'm not a proponent of socialism. I'm not a proponent of, you know, sponsored college. But I just, it's disgusting to me, you know, sort of the, the culture around it and, like, how we have, like, this cultural conveyor belt where, like, we put the kids on, you know, in kindergarten, and then, you know, it's it's kindergarten, it's, it's middle school, uh, it's high school, and then it's college. Um, 
and we'll, we will, at 18 years old, lend a kid, you know, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars. But like if they want a twenty thousand dollar business loan and they have an idea for a way that they want to contribute immediately, um, they can't get it, you know, and it just yeah. it, that, really, that is a flaw in the system. That no That's a huge flaw. And then not only that, but then I, you know, a lot of the people that I know, because I, you know, I have a lot of college kids here, they're going to graduate with six figures in debt, you know, and it's 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 tough because some of those a lot of a lot of the career fields the 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 starting pay isn't proportionate to what you had to borrow to learn how to get into that career field you know what i mean right it's it's really so yeah i guess that's what shapes my perception of it is it it almost looks like a trap and like does it prepare some people yes but i wonder the percentage of college graduates that you know, we'll look back after 20 years and say that they're that going to college was a worthwhile investment. You know what I mean? Because financially they were able to pay off their loans and then also build a, a, a flourishing career that that was financially worth it. You know right, what I mean? Right. I now, just I wonder. It, it's that's a very interesting conversation. I, I think that the entire thing that you're talking about falls back on the parents at that point. Yeah, I they got to prep them with that. Yeah. Well, for one, you got to teach your kid at a young age. Regardless of how people believe in school, you got to do good in school. You got to do your work. You got to turn your homework in. You got to show up. You got to make sure you get good grades so you can get a scholarship because your parents need to teach you that at a young age. This is going to help you later in life. Yeah. And they think we're too young to understand that, but most parents don't educate their children that if you do this, this can happen for you. Yeah. Right. So it's on us. And then when they're signing for them, now it's in the parents' education to teach them what they're signing for. So that that falls on us. We're trying to blame society, but the reality is it's on the parents that are not educating their own children on what they're signing, Man, what they're doing. That's a great perspective. It really is. And even you saying that almost changes. See, because I'm very opinionated and I sh and I'm I'm always willing to put it out there. And I think that some people don't think that I'm I think they think that I'm more committed to my own opinions than I actually am, but I'm always willing to be convinced otherwise. But that actually makes me second guess the role that our kids can play in a public school because, because follow my thought, it's like, <clears throat> I have friends that'll be like, man, I don't even know if I wanna have, I always wanted kids, but I don't know if I'm gonna have, bring kids into this world, man, it's a crazy world, time. right? I hear that a lot, too much. And that's actually, I think, the sentiment that makes people start thinking about homeschool, but what you're talking about and taking ownership and, and is one, a cultural change, but two, Kids mostly are going to are going to inherit the values and their conduct and their character uh, and the way that they treat other people from their home situation. And they're going to take that to school. So going back to on the onus being on the parents, if if parents like you, you know, prepare their kids to show up in school in a certain way, they could actually culturally influence that environment in a positive way rather than us seeing this landslide in culture that's happening right now. So that yeah. does make me think a little bit more about um, send, like the potential benefit to sending your kids to school rather than homeschooling them. Like, no, you have a role to play here, which is you go and you show up the way that you're supposed to, the way that your family shows up, and hopefully your friends will see that and find merit in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I and, and I'll tell you what, too. There was a shift that happened about 18, 20 years ago, maybe a little longer because, you know, I put my age out there. being an old guy. Yeah, here, you're so. old as dirt, man. <laughs> yeah, man. So for me, it was like 30-something years ago, but it didn't happen then because my parents, when I came home, did homework with me. But nowadays, 
and it happened again 15, 20 years ago, parents are moving too fast. They're coming home. Kids are playing the sports. Then their parents got their own work that they're doing, and they got two jobs and all this stuff because cost of living went up. Yeah. But they don't take the time to sit down and make sure their kids are doing their homework and doing things to make themselves get better every single day, Yeah. which puts it back on the parents. Like, you got to give your kids some time and make sure, check up on them, make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. You do that, that with your daughter? Oh, yeah. Every night, man, that's, man, that's, you know what? You're, you're a thousand percent right about this. Now I still don't agree with you about sending kids to school, but, <laughs> and I still don't agree with you about, I don't think college is for everyone. No, I, I think, don't, I don't think college I, is for I, everyone. I think, here's another thing. I think, I think trade schools are gone and they need to come back yes, immediately because yes. you know how much it's going to cost for a fucking tuck pointing in a place like this 100%. about 10 years, it's going to be $250 an hour because nobody's doing it Nobody anymore. Do it, yeah. So we need to be pushing kids to trade schools. Cause I'll tell you what, all my friends that went to trade schools are millionaires, millionaires. Right they're killing it, right? Electricians, right but it's plumbers, a school and it's an education. Yes. Well, it's not the same form, but it's teaching you directly in your trade. And I believe in all and that. It's stuff. a lot. It's a lot cheaper. Like than yeah. college, you might send, spend six figures on college, four years of college, but you probably spend less than you know fifty grand to go to trade school. Yeah, and it t and it's shorter. You can get into the workforce a lot faster. You Absolutely. probably only have to go two years max. I agree with you a thousand percent about trade schools because even when I was in prison, they would teach guys how to weld. They teach them how to um, how to how to what is it called? It's um, gonna be scary living in a world where none of those people where none of that shit exists anymore. I know. It's scary. I know. Well, I mean, I don't think that'll happen. I, I think not, eventually not exist, but it'll be. It'll be very, very uh, scarce, and we're going to have to pay a shit ton of money. house costing goes up. Yep. Everything goes up strictly based on the fact that kids aren't going to trade schools. Yeah, yeah, no. I agree with you, man. I, re I really do. It's, I don't know. I feel like in the world that we live in today, I got to think big picture so often. I got to think, like, yeah. when I have kids, how am I going to do it? Is it, you know, even, like, my, my, my big picture long-term goal Cause sometimes I just want to like disappear. Sometimes I just want to mm -hmm. buy a bunch of land for real. Oh, I feel that all the time. And just go. <laughs> but then I love people too. And just go isolate myself. But then it's like, it's almost like I'm running from the opportunity that I have to contribute. You know what I mean? Like that's the only thing that I struggle with. But one of my and things. And you got a big voice, man. So you got to, when those things happen, you got to realize there's a lot of good things up in that noggin of yours that people need to hear. And you go run away and it's not coming out, you know? But I'll tell you what, it doesn't, it, there's a lot of days across my mind too. Like, yeah, like, man, I would just love to live on some land, have some cows and some chickens. That's and, right, yeah. have some cows and some chickens and just do it on my own. Yeah, uh, I swear, I think about it. Like that's one of my big, one of my biggest goals for a long time that I visualized is buying like a couple thousand acres and then just telling my friends like, "Yo, the land's here. You could build if you want to." Yeah, you know, make and sure then, there's a river on that it, thing and, and just doing up. it together, like a, like a commune. You know. I, all I ask is that you contribute in some way. If your wife bakes bread or you got chickens or if you if if you got a homeschool curriculum, like, and we could just do this thing because I'm just so, sometimes I get so tired of, of the fight. You know what I mean? I don't know. And well, I'm really, I'm going to hundred percent one day, not to live permanently, but I want to buy some, some stuff on a Merrimack river, about 200 acres, put a bunch of them tiny homes up, put a big pool in the middle of that thing. Have a dock where we have some boats on there and just have all my friends have about 30 homes and just be our little vacation Have some spot. vacation spots. Yeah. yeah, bro. Okay, bring me in on that. Yeah, I'll, absolutely. I'll throw Man, down little A-frame small ones. Just have everybody have their own little spot deck and like little circle formats. Yeah. It'd be awesome, man. Yeah. I think about it all the time. <laughs> I mean, um, we got a good state to do it in, too, as weird as that is. You know, Missouri, Missouri, Merrimack River, all the other. We have a ton of rivers around here that's some, got some cool I was going to ask you, where is the Merrimack River? Um... 
so it's what it's, it's where who's all bass all those ones flow into i don't know uh, what that so is. down south it's, southern missouri it's, it's not the big muddy uh no 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 no. missouri no. muddy mississippi yeah the big muddy's nasty bro. oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah dang well dude no, I'm, the merrimack's a nice river i'm uh i'm uh i'm super pumped that you're on the show finally yeah um, me too it's funny uh how long we how long we known each other just a couple coming down here about seven eight months and you found out about us through mutual acquaintance um and uh man in a short amount of time man you become one of my favorite dudes absolutely favorite dudes for real like um i feel like we we've, we've known each other for a long time um but uh one thing i really admire you know you've been you've you've kind of uh started to play a big role in like the men's group that we have here and it seems like you're just a natural leader and i try to i think we were talking about this briefly last night after the men's group but i really try to like steal people's strengths you know at least that's how i think about it somebody last night said i shouldn't think about it as stealing because people are just in our community everybody's like willing to give the offer their strengths yeah. yeah offer their strengths and take what they can but um even even just this 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 conversation we just had it it it, it reminds me one thing i admire so much is all of the effort and intent that you seem to be putting into your role inside of your home you know that's with uh, are you married? Your wife? Yep. yep. So your wife and then your daughter, um, almost every men's group. Okay. So at the end of every men's group, um, we have this practice where we have everybody take a second to write down something they're going to do or accomplish or work on before the next men's group. And almost every time Rocco, uh, and then we show it to somebody for some accountability. So I happen to sit next to Rocco often and, uh, you know, he'll show me and almost every time there's something that's like, man, this is how I'm going to show up better for my wife, you know, and I love that. And then also uh, one of the th I think the moment. I mean, I liked you from day one, but the moment where I realized that I like really had a lot to learn from you was um, when you we were leading up to Christmas and Rocco shared with me like I, I, I forget exactly how the story went, but he was like. Basically, my daughter just found out that Santa Claus isn't real. Yeah. Man. Yeah, like she my did. And, and, she, and, and it seemed like a big deal to you. I'm not a parent, so like it seemed like a big deal, and I can imagine how it was a big deal. And he's like, man, my daughter just found out that Santa Claus wasn't real. So what I'm going to write From down. From one of my friend's daughters. I was like, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so she, okay, so that's an important detail, actually. Yeah. So she found out from another young, another child. Yep. And Rocco's like, and so... For my, for my thing that I'm going to do between now and the next meeting is I'm going to take time every single day to sit down with my daughter and explain why Christmas is the tradition that it is, yep. what it's all about, and then also explain to her why it's important that she doesn't spoil it for other kids. Yep. Ooh. And then you came back the next meeting and you shared that you did it every single day and you said, I feel confident that if my daughter, if you ask my daughter right now, She'll hold, she'll hold it down. She said, oh, yeah, Christmas, yeah. Santa Claus is real, you know, all the things. Um, and I knew in that moment, I'm like, man, I got so much to learn from this dude because that was just a really, really cool thing. Um, so, yeah, I want to I hear, like, kind of how you came up because that, that opened my eyes to the way that you think about, one, a man's role in the house, how to show up as a father, and then since then, 
uh, I see a lot of what you're trying to do to show up as a better husband too. So I can't help but think that you must have grown up in sort of like an environment that set that example for you. And if you didn't, then cool. But let's find out no, about I did, it. For yeah. sure, absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, we come from a very strong Italian family. Yeah. Uh, and everybody knows Italian families are very gender specific on your roles. You know, yeah. man of the house, women of the house. But actually, you know, men cook too in Italian families. Yeah. <laughs> they love it. Well, but- how do you feel about that? Like, what do you mean? Like, like okay, so if... What's the traditional? Because I don't know. I'm not Italian. What's the traditional? I mean, my view? dad was very hard on me. Okay. He was very hard on me growing up. Everybody knows that. I mean, my dad was so hard on me that, like, I didn't even like him in college anymore. He was so hard on me. Really? Yeah. And then we I got in a big old fight. He didn't come to a lot of my college hockey games, which actually messed with me for a long time. Um, but, like, it looking back, it was it was my fault. It was my stubbornness because I was always like, why are you always on my ass? Like, get yeah. the fuck alone, you know? Yeah. And I look back on it and I'm like, you know, you, every every child should look back on it if they got yelled at like I did. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because he was mad at me. He was trying to make me better the whole entire time. Yeah. But I was just so hot-headed and thought I knew everything back then that I was thought it was like, just <laughs> like, why are you always nagging on me, man? Yeah. So at like 17, my dad actually said, get the fuck out of the house and don't come back. Really? He goes, I'll pay for you to not live here. I was like, because I didn't come home in high school too. I was, I was a, I was a bad kid, you know, yeah. grew up in North County, always out doing some type of trouble, you yeah. know, police would be knocking on the door some nights. My parents were like, what the fuck did he do now? You know? So it was, I wasn't, I understand now what he was doing. Yeah. And if he didn't do that and he just let me do what I wanted to do. And I think like that wouldn't have turned out good either, which also brings you back to relationships, right? My parents didn't let me do whatever I wanted to do, even though I tried sure as fuck. I tried. Yeah. I don't want anybody in my relationship to do that. Like my wife, my friends, don't let me do whatever I want to do. If I, if that's going to happen, like you guys are going to see me in Vegas and I won't come home for a month, right? Yeah. Like don't let me just do whatever I want to do. Yeah. I need people around me to be hard on me. And yeah. it got instilled and I'm okay with it because my dad was really hard on me. Yeah. And I think people that didn't have people that were really hard on them, when somebody gets really hard on them, they freeze up. They're yeah. like, man, I, you know, I would calm down, back up off me. They don't know how to handle it. Right. And I got grilled since I was a kid. So like the older I I get it's really easy for me to you know take people that are being hard on me and deliver it back to them the right way to make sure that I'm hard on them to keep them yeah. in line and keep each other accountable at the end of the day. Yeah, and that I comes from my that dad. From, I expect that from people too. I really yeah. appreciate it from people, but I've, I'm trying to I'm trying to learn because not everybody receives not even close love that way. Like yeah. that's love. Like if I'm like if I'm like hey I'm having this conversation with you and and it's uncomfortable for me. Just know that I don't want to have that conversation. If I'm, uh, nobody loves having hard conversations, so if I ever have a hard conversation with you and it's uncomfortable, just know I love you. I love you. That's what I'm doing, and I expect the same thing in return. Don't watch me. Don't watch me go out and shoot myself in the foot. You watching this whole thing happen, and you don't tell me, "Hey, you're about to shoot yourself in the foot." No, don't do that. Don't do that. If you do that to me, I take notice. And I'm like, that's not my friend. But sure, you think like that because it took me until I was probably 28 to 30 years old to realize that's what my dad was doing. He loved me. Yeah. He didn't hate me. I used to think my dad fucking hated me. Yeah. And it was. It's like when the older you get, the opposite. My sister and brother-in-law, they actually sat me down last summer and had this conversation. They're like, do you realize every time you talk, our dad listens. You're the only one he'll listen to. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. <clears throat> it could be 
because of his diabetes, I need him to eat better, whatever the case may be. They're like, when, when you speak, our father listens. He don't listen to us like yeah. that. And it, like when I was younger, it was the I felt like it was the opposite, but it's very mature for you. Like I didn't think like that at that age. Yeah, like, bro, man, I'm grown. I'm, I'm older than I'm 31. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. But I, I mean, it took a while for me to, to understand that concept. And it seems like you got it right away. Like well, I took it the wrong way for so long that like, it, it bothered me that I took it the wrong way, but it actually built who I am at the end of the day. Yeah, it really does, man. But the, the thing that I, okay, so I understand the concept, and I don't know if you struggle with this, but it, I don't think, I wouldn't assume that you do, but, but where I still really struggle is even though I understand the concept, I really struggle with, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah. Like for me, there's mm -hmm. only one way to say something. There's only one way to say the truth. And it's, and it's, it's, just, say, and it's just say it, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But I, uh, I really struggle with that. And, and one question I have is, how do you accomplish what your dad instilled in you, right? How do you accomplish what you realized, like teaching your child what you realized later? It took you till you were 30, right, to understand what your dad was doing and that it was so good and being grateful for his approach. How do you accomplish that in a way that doesn't result in a kid that hates his dad for a little while first? You know what I mean? Because you're now you're a father. How do you get your daughter to understand that you being hard on her is is good? Is do you change the delivery that your dad took when he when he would deliver that hard truth? Do you because that's where I struggle right now and that's where I'm really trying to grow because I hold everybody in my life accountable to the same standard that I try to hold myself accountable and some people hate me for it. Yeah. Some people literally hate me for it just like you hated your dad. Yeah. That's and I don't want to but I don't want to do it like that. I want to accomplish the same thing, but I don't want I don't want to have to make the people in my life hate me for it. You know what I, I mean? think um, I think with me and my dad, uh, male on male, uh, my daughter, mm. you know, like I'm hard on my daughter. But man, I'm also like, she, you know, she got me wrapped around her finger, but she knows I'm hard on her. But when I'm hard on her, she stops. She's like, okay. And yeah. she listens. Like my daughter's a good kid and she listens to it. So I don't even know the answer to that question as far as if I had a boy. I'd be, first of all, I had a boy first. I'd be a way worse dad because I'd be motherfucking that kid all over the place, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But if that's, but I'm glad I had a girl first because like, man, yeah. I thought I was the biggest badass dude on planet Earth and she broke me just like, you really? Know? Like, oh yeah. I mean, I used to yell her when I was younger and I'd literally go in my room and start crying. I'm like, dude, oh. I, like I can't, I can't yell at her, I but can't. I couldn't show her that because I had to like stand firm, yeah. you know? And then I'd go back in a room and give her a hug, you know, dad loves you and all that stuff. But like, yeah. I, uh, if I would have been a boy and I did it, I wouldn't have gone and cried. I'd been like, shut up, go quit crying, man. Yeah. Shut up. You know? So I don't even know the answer as far as that goes, because I don't have a boy. Uh, I just know a girl looks at her dad differently and the a dad looks at the daughter differently. For yeah. Sure. I don't know, man. I'm trying to accomplish that. I really, I want to be hard on the people close to me because I care about them, but I, you know, sometimes it comes at the expense of some relationships. For sure. It does. It, it, it really does. Those aren't even the relationships that were going to last though. So I'll tell you what, I, this is one thing that I said on another video um, that I, it, it's, it's about loyalty and about relationships, right? <clears throat> I'm very hard on a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people. I've gotten in a fight with every one of my best friends to the point where like we didn't talk for sometimes a couple of days, sometimes a couple months, sometimes a couple of years. But when we're best friends, we always make our way back to mm -hmm. each other. You know, like Brad, closest person. I've, I've punched Brad in the eye, made him bleed all over the place. You know, we've gotten big <laughs> old fights, so we hate each other for months. But like, he's the closest human besides my cousin to me, yeah. right? And where loyalty comes into play is 
when somebody that you're supposed to be best friends with and then you motherfuck each other, you hate each other, not knowing if you're ever going to come back, do you still speak good about me? Yeah. How, what, do, you, do you used to remain that loyalty when we hate each other? Mm -hmm. And the ones that do are the ones that are back in my life and those are the people I still fuck with. Yeah. And the ones that don't, you know, I feel it's that. not even the relationship I wanted in the first place. I feel so that keep hard. keep being hard on people, you yeah. know? And, and as long as it's got the right intentions, it's always going to come back the right way. And the yeah. ones that don't, man, they just... It is what it is. Yeah, I feel that hard. I might motherfuck you to your face, but if somebody else come and ask me about you, I'm going to be like, man, that's a good dude right there. Baby. There you go. Exactly. You know, or, 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 you know, really good at what they do. Might send them business. You know, yeah, I definitely feel that. That's crazy. All right. So what But what else? So from, from your, your childhood, you know, because, again, one of the things that I admire the most is how you show up for your family. So I know you say your dad's really hard on you. Um, it, it, did you guys have family traditions? So, yeah. that, to, to continue on that, my, yeah. my, my family's a big Italian family. My cousins are like my favorite people on planet Earth. Um, and the reason why I show up for my family is because my not just my household, my mom's sister, she's got five sisters and one brother. Mm -hmm. Man, like watching every single individual household, how much they show up for each other and how much then we show up as a big family yeah. just has instilled that in me that that's what, that's what life's about. Life's all about family, you know? Yeah. And you can hate your family. And a lot of people say, well, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to like your families. Fuck that. Not my family. Like we, yeah. even if we hate each other, we love each other. Like it's, it's a, it's a very tight, close Italian family. Is everybody and, here in St. Louis still? Uh, no, we have some in Tampa, uh, Wisconsin, Chicago. Got so it. they're all over. But every year we get together. So Christmas Eve at my Aunt Diane's house is a big tradition that we always have. Now, we never break it for nothing. You know, it's we know if they can get if the people can get in town, this is where it's coming to. That's where everybody meets or weddings. You know, I have 28 cousins. Yeah. Um, first cousins. Yeah. So then at that point we had all of them were almost married besides a couple. This year we have four weddings in this big Italian family that we're going to be at all these weddings this year. That's so then crazy. We, it just the tradition. So just everybody keep going. will see everybody four times this year. That's that's amazing. Plus five on Christmas too, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and two of them are destination weddings that we're going to. Yeah. So we're going to have a lot of fun this year as a family. And, but it, it's, that's, that's where always showing up for my family comes from. Yeah. And my daughter, my sister's daughter and my daughter are best friends. So me and my cousin, Nick, mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, you've met my cousin Nick. He came to one of the men's groups. Which one? Oh, um, probably the last men's group. Not not last night, but then the one you also met him at Midwestern one time with Brad too. Got it. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I do know him. Yeah. Um, he was best man at my wedding. Um, you know, one of my closest cousins for you few months apart. We spent every waking moment together, growing up together. Yeah. Uh, my daughter and my sister's daughter is the exact same way, mm -hmm. and we make sure that we have those girls together every single weekend. Oh, we make sure they're hanging out. They're best friends. Now they got phones. They talk all day long, and like watching those two is like a mirror image of me and my cousin Nick. Yeah. And that's that's special. So me and my yeah. sister, are like, we're gonna make sure that these two hang out as much as possible because it's family. And we just it's, man, it's, I freaking love that. Man, yeah. I swear I'm I'm envious. I'm envious of I didn't have an upbringing like that. I don't have family ties I'm very like blessed that. For that man. I think very that blessed. I think that maybe that's why I'm so passionate. You know, I'm so passionate about building a village, yeah, building a community. Like I imagine that it's urgent for me to build this community and to be and to build a, a you know a family 
you know, alongside guys like you and, and the rest of the guys that that, you know, that I'm, I'm close with here, because I imagine I'm like, who who are my kids going to look up to? Who are they going to look at as the role models? You know, who when I want my kids running around here and have 47 uncles, you know, that they can lean on and depend on. I want them to have, you know, other kids that I know are being taught the right stuff that yep. they can be friends with. And and I don't I don't have a cousin or any I don't have anybody to reach out to. Um, that I can coordinate something like that. But I think it's so cool that you're like proactive in the way that you think about that. Like, yeah. yo, make sure that make sure that she's hanging with her cousin every weekend. Like, yeah. man, that's so cool. Yeah, Grace, Grace. Okay, another question I had is, so you're a big Italian family. So is Grace. Grace is from a big Italian family. Yep. Do you guys have like a patriarch? Do you have a leader of your family? We did. Um, she died Got uh, a few years back during so COVID. It was, a, my it was really a matriarch. Yeah, it was my grandma. She was the, she was the, she was, she literally died um it's a debate on you know depression from not being able to see your family during covid and stuff like really? that really um so like for a funeral we had zoom meetings and stuff no like way it, no way yes yeah, so tell us the story um well my grandma was in a funeral home she fell um okay. cracked her eye socket and other stuff like that um they actually took her eye but my my nan was like my hero like yeah. anytime i saw her i was like nanny rocks you know like we were just like yeah. and she was a hero for all of us, every single one of our cousins, like, yeah. like some of my cousins had an unbelievable relationship with her. Like mine was, you know, just always me and her talking shit to each other. Cause that's what we did. But mm -hmm. you know, my cousin Tori, like called her every single day. They talked on the phone every single day. So like all my cousins, all my aunts, uncles had a just an unbelievable relationship with my grandma, my yeah. nan. Um, then she died during COVID. So three years ago. So, well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was when we were still tied down or, I don't know if we were tied down. I don't remember exactly what it was, but we couldn't visit. Let's just put it that way. You couldn't. You couldn't even go see her. No, dude, that's so. Funny. So it and she 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 died before my wedding. So she she missed my wedding, um, and she wouldn't have been able to make it out there anyway. Yeah, because she was. In yeah, so home. it had been tough for her to make it out there in the first place. But you know, we had good conversations with it before, <laughs> so we had a matriarch for sure. So so since then, you guys, nobody's like nobody's like the leader of the family. Uh, my aunt Diane steps in as that for sure. Really? Um, you know, I, I think not, that that's a really cool. I don't know how you feel about that concept. Yeah, it's, I the think, old, it's the oldest sibling. She she does. She's the one that has the Christmas tradition and stuff like that. So she kind of takes it. that role on as far as that goes. Um, yeah. And then you know, it's not because but, I would assume this is why I ask because I would assume that you would be at least in line. And I never I never thought it was an age thing. Like it was like a like. It, it, it's this is the guy that is the leader like you ever seen peaky blinders oh yeah i love that show but you know what i mean like it's yeah. it's like the guy the, the the main guy i don't remember his name thomas maybe yeah um yeah but he's not the oldest nope. they, it, there's a specific moment in the show where he says to his big brother hey listen like i'm the boss yep. you know and from that moment on he's the boss he's the, he's the one that everybody runs everything by and I admire that. I think we talk a lot about this in the men's group about, about interdependency, gender roles. It's kind of all the same conversation, but like any team, any organization, any household, any community, everything operates better when people are when people are all on the same page and they say all right what what do i need to do when we're operating as a unit as a team rather than as a bunch of individuals just sort of figuring yeah. it out uh, uh, occupying space together right and so even when you're a family like you somebody's got to lead somebody's got to lead like yeah. if, if you have a sports team and there's no coach 
they're not gonna they're not gonna win. You know what I mean? Somebody's got to lead, and I so I really like I admire the cultures that still preserve sort of one the the real strong family ties and the big families like yours, like the Italian cultures, but then also specifically not only gender roles. I do think that those are important as well. And that's not to say that women need to be in the kitchen and cleaning. Yeah. It's just we need to come to an agreement about who's going to do what so that this is an efficient machine. Our family is operating at a high level because we all are on the same page about who's doing what and nothing gets overlooked. That's more of the conversation. Uh, I my- powerful, powerful cousins. Yeah. Well, 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 and then, okay, so then, but then you have to have a leader, right, that preserves the family's values, yeah. the family's morals, and that makes sure that those things are preserved and passed down and say, hey, look, no, we don't do that. Like, we, that's not where we, we go to church. We, you know, whatever, whatever the family traditions Absolutely. are, everybody needs to be here. And there has to be the coolest thing about it, the coolest thing about it when I see it, because that, that was how Grace's family, um, her grandfather was the patriarch of their family. And I mean, like, and talk about powerful people. Like, even when, like, Andy or Sal, bring, when her grand, grandfather comes up, they're like, hey, listen, he's the guy. Like, and yeah. these, are some, these are some guys that don't take nothing from nobody but 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 i could tell by the way they speak about him that like that was so strong and the coolest thing about it is they're gone man well everybody in the family voluntarily respects his authority yeah like that's the that's the thing that's so powerful about that like even peaky blinders or whatever everybody understands the importance of having a leader and being like all right even though in this moment i don't agree with them they said this is the way we're going to do it and there's like there's like a loyalty to the family there's an obedience to the family there's an acknowledgement of the leader and there's that i think that that's so fascinating i don't know why that tradition has ever been eradicated yeah you know for I mean? sure I, uh-huh. and i think in my family right now we're in a we're in a rebuild stage yeah you know you have like, to once the patriarch or the matriarch dies you have you know, to yeah and in the older siblings you know her kids my parents mm-hmm. and my cousin's parents you know they got their own system kind of in place but mm-hmm. Now us, we're coming up and we're getting closer up there, you yeah. know, and like it's, it's, it, it's going it, to, we're in the rebuild stage. It's going to yeah. take some time to develop cool. who that pop person pops out to be. Yeah. Uh, my cousin Alicia puts on a lot of stuff. She's, she's a big leader in our family, but I, like I said, I have a lot of, it's cool that it's all cousins. women in your family. Yeah. We got a lot of girls in our family. It's cool that, no, I mean that, that are the leaders, like your yeah. grandma, then her sister, your cousin Alicia. That's really cool. Man. Yeah. That's my cousin Tori, she's a leader in our family. Cause um, I know, yeah. I know there's some, there's some people listening to this thing right now. They, oh, Mark's a misogynist. He just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I got some powerful women in my family and I got some like a, just powerful people in my family that are really yeah. big in the St. Louis community. Yeah. Um, you know, my, we have a cousin that's a pro soccer player. We have a lot of people in our family that are very, very powerful. That have people, just done some things. Just done a lot of, lot of cool shit, you yeah. know? So like uh, everybody, honestly, it's the one cool thing about my family, every person in every pocket leads their own tribes. That's like sick. every one of them is the leader of their friend groups and all the other stuff. And then they come to be others, our family thing, and just a bunch of awesome people in that same room. But yeah. then when you separate, you know, I'd say half my family has their own businesses, very successful businesses. Yeah. Um, you know, there's very high up in a lot of companies and stuff and they, they lead their friend groups and it's fun to watch That's that sick, stuff. Man. So we're, as far as who leads us, there will be someone that pops out it's just going to take some more time for that to develop. But everybody's still on course. Yeah. I wonder sometimes when I see families, like big families, that there's a lot of doers in it. Mm-hmm. There's this local family here um, called the Sandstones. I'm oh, sure yeah. that you've heard of them. 
I don't know. I don't know any of them personally. Um, I don't know anything. So if you know more than I do, um, and you're listening to this and you know, I, a lot of them work out at Brock's gym. Well, well not for the sake of arguing. Right. But from the outside looking in, I say to myself, man, all those kids, first of all, they look healthy. There's like 10 siblings I have from what I know. They look healthy. They all of them look like models, to be honest. They got good genetics. They all look healthy. They're all either involved in owning a business, operating a business. They're all successful. You know, none of them, they don't have any rejects in their, in their little, their, their, their sibling pool. Um, and from what I, I heard, they all, you know, come home for Christmas every year. They still go to their parents' house. There's like, and I'm like, and I look at something like that and I'm like, I wonder, I wonder what the upbringing process was like. I wonder what family values were, were propagated so that all of the, like your family, yeah. How did all of these kids find the, find the way successfully? And there's so many kids out here that are lost. There's so many, there's so many NPCs out here. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many grown adults that are never going to contribute in any significant way. And I think the vast majority, the vast majority. And then in this one little family, it's all doers. Like that fascinates the shit out of me. And, it, and honestly, because I didn't have that. I really, really am intrigued by it because I want to be a good father. You know yeah. what I mean? I want, I want my family. I want to set the stone or uh, set the standard. Like, have you ever heard Ed Milet's talk about the one? No. He but says, I've, but uh, what's there? Somebody else that wrote a book on the one that I read. Man, I forget who wrote it. Um, but keep going. Ed, well, Ed Milet has this talk that he gives, and he and it's powerful. When you watch the video, you just it gives you chills. But he's like, man, everybody, you know, every family, everybody, every family. Um, you know they're 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 like every other family, and then essentially what he says until until one day, uh, one comes along and he changes everything. He changes everything. He creates generational wealth. He sets new standards. He blah blah blah. And he's like, in my family, I'm the one. You know, and it gets you fired up because it starts you thinking about like, oh shit, in my family, I, I need to be the one. Um, and I was just gonna say, man, you like you can break generational curses, 100%. you know, all day, and 100%. you can restart a new culture, a new feeling, a new 100%. standard all day long. Yeah, you know. But dude, so okay, so I also know. Let's let's get back to you because you've been through some things. Like we're gonna get yeah. to you're doing some things. You're doing some great things, in fact, and you've already done some great things. You've built businesses. You've yeah. been an entrepreneur. You've worked up in a company. You've been in incredibly valuable. Now you own a company that looks like it's about to blast off it's on a rocket launch pad um and that's really awesome but the cool i mean a cool part about your story is that it's not like everything was handed to you no it's not like you know yeah we just talked about your family your family definitely gave you some tools um and i think that that you know we can't under can't undervalue that but you had a period of time where you were like a, a, a knucklehead let's oh, yeah. talk let's talk about that <laughs> yeah i mean um you know as much as you're willing to share i don't know how much you share this stuff publicly yeah no i mean it, it, yeah, there was a time period I was a knucklehead, no yeah. question about it. You know, I mean, uh, I, I've been through many different stages of hustling, you mm -hmm. know, obviously selling illegal stuff, selling legal stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was one point in my life, I remember living at my boy Bill's house, who had passed away. Um, I had started a clothing line, started a, uh, an ad agency. We weren't making no money at this time, me and my boy Jimmy. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm talking like, living on barely any, anything at this time yeah uh my weed guy was he was locked up so i wouldn't you know there it was nothing there at that point so i got into selling fake jordans and fucking air force ones <laughs> and you know we got 
big truck. The man will sell anything. Yeah. Man. So I remember laying on the couch, paying rent with my last dollars, and I have a basement with 200 shoes. I was like, well, man, if I want to eat today, I got to get to work. So I went and sold a pair of shoes to get some food. Yeah. Went and sold a bunch of them and just kept kept it moving. And that turned into something pretty cool, too, yeah. which helped us start our, our clothing brand even further down the line down there. But, um, man, I've been through a lot of stages where I did a lot of dumb things. I mean, there's no question that I should either be dead or in jail. Yeah. Somebody somebody up there, if you don't believe in a, I know I believe in a higher power because the amount of times that that stuff should have happened yeah. is uncomprehendable. And that's also why my parents and my dad was like, get the fuck out of here, you psycho. Like, yeah, I don't you want doing? you to die at the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I never went down any type of path where I was on drugs or worried about stuff like that. I, addiction was never a problem with anything yeah. I had on there. And my problem was hustling, was money. Like, it was always on my mind all the time. You know, I mean, I was walking around. My cousin said in um, my best man speech, he was like, Rocky used to walk around more diamonds than Lil Wayne on him. No. I just I just love diamonds my whole life. So, <laughs> so Don't like, find out you're an undercover hood rat. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. So, so I, I loved it. So I, was, I used to hustle. And I used to buy a lot of diamonds. You'd walk around 22 years old with way too much jewelry on the people that I shouldn't have at that time. And people yeah. aren't idiots, you know. They know where it came from. My family wasn't idiots. My cousins, my aunts were like, Come on, man. You can't just flaunt it like that. And yeah. I, but I didn't give a fuck. You yeah. know, it's just who I was. But also the goals that I had, because we made a lot of music for a long time. So the goals I had in my life. Uh, what do you mean you made a lot of music? So my whole life I've made music. Um, like I, produced music or been a musician yourself? Produced music. Got it. So artists named John Hill, Kenny Knox, my cousin Christina J, my best friends Jason Coco Bridges, who was part of Basement Beats, made Shake a Tail Feather over and over again. Got it. We started a couple music labels. I had a music studio in my basement for 20 years, and our, our mascot agency, my old company, was on the second level of Fat Buddha for like six, seven years, which is right down the street on Locust, one of the largest music studios in St. Louis. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's where, I, that, that's where, I, that's where I, all my, everything creative all came from that stuff. Got it. Um, but nobody was going to, hey, I got my, my boy John that rapped, who actually he took his own life this past year. I mean, he was on Akon songs, Royce 5'9". Uh, Royce 5'9 was in my boy's studio. We recorded that guy for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, DJ Khaled's mixtape, DJ K Slay's mixtape. DJ Trackstar is a really good friend of mine. He actually played at John's funeral stuff. Wow. Well, his celebration of life. Yeah. Um, but nobody was going to give a bunch of white boys money to make music. Yeah. Like, because you needed a lot of money to make music back then. And you still do. Well, really? you don't as much anymore because you can download and stuff. Yeah. I mean, we were printing up 10,000 CDs and stamping them ourselves and, you know, putting them through recorders. And it. like it, the, the music game was a lot different back then. Yeah. You know, you're you're printing up 500 to 2000 T-shirts, selling them on the streets. Right now you can just build an online store and have a drop ship. So like the barrier to entry to actually make noise like it's so were, much lower. It's so much lower. At yeah. the end of the day, so much lower. And nobody was going to give us that money. So I went out and find it by, yeah. by hustling. You know, we wanted to start the clothing line. My my parents weren't going to my parents just. And I, I shouldn't say this on here, but my parents don't have any money. You know, they rent a house still, yeah. you know, and like, <clears throat> even though we had a tight family bringing, like they, what I learned the older I got is my parents, all my friends thought I was spoiled when I was younger. Yeah. What I learned was we were, but they spent all the money on us. They spent all their money. All on the money on us. Yeah, like every, yeah. every, every single dollar, you know, we lived this world that we thought was, it was different. Then we got older and me and my sisters learned like, Oh, wow. They shielded us from a lot. Man. They just didn't they, show you anything. They didn't show us, you know? Yeah. So once we learned that, that's why we can't wait to give back to them as much as we possibly can. But, you know, my parents weren't giving me no money to do this stuff out there. So I went yeah. to the streets and found it on my own. Dang. Um, and then, yeah, at certain times, I flaunted it. And then 
then a lot of people got locked up and a lot of stuff happened from it and we straightened right. our lives out on there but you yeah. know that's that that's how that's how that's really how everything started for me honestly in the so first you place skirt, that's where i learned business you skirted prison yes dude I I've, I've heard i um, did i did <sighs> And I always took care of my guys that were in there. Yeah, I mean, you know. I mean, shit, one's still in there. He gets out in 18 months. Really? Yeah. Yeah, give him a job when he comes home. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. We're talking, <laughs> yeah. He's been in there for nine years now. That's crazy, man. Yeah, 10 years, something like that. Um, I forget who said it. I think it was, it was like, it was somebody very successful. I think it was Elon Musk, but he said the average, the average, like, weed dealer on the street knows more about business than, um, than a college graduate who yeah. went to school for 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 business. You learn about um, ledgers. You learn about loans. Yeah, you, you learn, learn about yeah, you learn about loans. That's <laughs> <a fact. laughs> Better pay that back. Yeah, yeah. that's mean, hilarious, dude. You learn uh, what what paying in cash means. You know, like oh, versus yeah. value getting in front of. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things you learn in lessons. That, yeah, the price is higher when you borrow it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yo, that's that's the interest. That's the interest. Yo, that is so funny, dude. I never heard it explained like that, but that's the truth. Yeah, that's definitely the truth. Uh Damn. Okay. So you now, learn about organizations. You learn about structure. You learn who your generals are. You learn how the money moves. Yeah. You know. You know. Like you know who you're going to talk to. Who you're not going to talk to. You know, where to. You know. Like it. There's a yeah. lot of structure and organization that goes into hustling. For yeah. Real. If you want to do it the right way. If you unless you just right. want to be flaunting like. That's why people go to jail. Yeah. You know, like if you're going to do it, you might as well do it the right way. Yeah, do it right. Yeah. I think most people do it wrong. <laughs> most people do it wrong though. Okay. So cool, man. So but now you're in a point. Um, so you, you built that business, the, I think it was, uh, the music business, but then also you had a marketing agency, Definitely. you built that, then wh why'd you leave? So me and my business partner, Jimmy had, uh, differences opinion. Yeah. He wanted to go one way with the company. I wanted to go the other way with the company. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about all the time. He actually, he's one of the smartest people I know on planet earth. He taught me everything I know about marketing. Now he works with us at new age. Oh, got it. Yeah, so yeah. he's been one of my closest friends since I've been a little kid. Yeah, um, you know, most people who aren't in my life have been around my life for a long ass time. Yeah, um, but he uh, he taught me a lot about the business. So I always gave him that respect in the sense of his opinion on it. But as far as running the business and making money and sales, like I I don't care who you are. Like I'll, yeah. I'll outwork everybody. In that I've position. done this for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you know I knew the direction we needed to go. Then I left. So. It was either I buy him out, he buys me out, or we split the clients. But yeah. at the end of the day, you split clients. Now yes. you show kinks in the armor of the business itself. Now if you split clients, they're all leaving besides your loyal diehard yeah. clients, you know? So then you're really putting a business in a bad spot that you just built. Yeah. So one of us had to go. Like, so I took a payout. And you just walked. Just walked, took yeah. a payout, and uh, went and humbled myself as in a canceled apartment in the Yellow Pages business and probably the lowest man on the totem pole at that point. You no know? way. So, oh, yeah. It was, it was. I went from being a boss, president, CEO to, to like, I mean, I have 200 people. To making people, cold calls. To making cold, cold calls and people motherfucking me all day because they wanted to cancel their stuff. In a building of 200, I was probably 198 at that point. That's um, crazy. Then just built myself back up. Hitting yeah. the director before I left that business. Uh, but I always knew I was going back in business for myself. Like, yeah. it's just, just who I am. I stuck it out for a long time for... Um, to be able to build a life for my daughter that we needed to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't have the backbone at the time as far as income anymore to say, okay, I can go put some money into something. Yeah. Um, but then we came up with a good idea. Well, yeah, you, you, you talked in the men's group about that transition, about going from being a boss to being the lowest guy on the totem pole, humbling yourself, going back to a job. Yeah. And, uh, 
and all the value you took out of that, you know? And I think that, um, you learn about, about yourself. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, I mean, obviously I could pull some things out of you here, but like, I, I'd like for you to share a little bit about what you learned through the process there, because there's a lot of people who I think that, you know how they say good is the enemy of great. You know, I think that people uh, find themselves in a good situation, but they have something on their heart or, you know, God puts something on their heart. And, um, and for me, in my, in, in my opinion, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta follow that whenever that, whenever that gets, that seed gets planted. Yeah. But people are scared to leave a good situation, you know, because a lot of times it requires a demotion. A lot of times you got to take three steps backwards so you can take 10 steps forward. Yeah. Um, and it's so much time and it's hard yeah. and it's, and it's really hard. So yeah. So talk about how long did it take? So you 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 got to humble yourself. You go you know work at this job, and and what was that period of time looks like? Because now you're in a really good spot. Now you've sort of now you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Tunnel. You see the new mountain you're about to climb, and you're really excited about it. Yep. But there was probably undoubtedly a period of time where you're like, man, I don't know what the next chapter looks like, and this sucks right now. Yeah, absolutely, there was. Um, you know, the first two things on there. The first one is uh, a lot of people. And honestly, I was too. A lot of people, when you get put back in a situation like like I was, yeah. you know, going down that low, it's scary. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, shit, man. I just went from – because in my ad agency, me and Jimmy touched elbows with everybody in the city. That's how we knew Jason from Strange Don't. Yeah. It's like, you know, you, get, you go from knowing everybody to literally sitting in this place where you're calling business and nobody knows who the fuck you are. Yeah. You know, so I went from like this ego blast at like – Man, I can't explain. Like, it was a big hit to the ego that I wasn't the guy in St. Louis doing marketing and all this stuff in the music studio. And, you know, I'm like, this is what I'm doing. But, yeah. Um, Hi, my name is. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. You're on a recorded line. Yeah. You know? oh, I mean, for, no. quality, for quality assurance, you know, <laughs> went from that to that within a matter of seven days, you know. So it happened like that. And a lot of people get scared in that situation. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I was too. But I just know how hard I actually work at life and things I do. And I just put my head down and I, and I blocked out any of the, you know, the egotistical negative thoughts that somebody might be like looking down on me because mm -hmm. of this situation. Yeah. But it took a minute for my brain to actually do that. But once I blocked out that people probably aren't looking at me mm -hmm. and people probably don't give a fuck what I did before. They're worried about what you do now. They're not worried about what you did before. Yeah. And I eventually was like, you know what? Fuck that. Put my head down and grinded my ass off. Yeah. Within six months, I was promoted to a manager. And within six months after that, I was promoted to a sales director and stayed in that spot for a minute. Um, I mean, I made great money at that company. Yeah. So to leave that company, you know, um, that's a hard transition to leave. Yes, you're comfortable, but like it was, it was a large amount of money to, to, to walk away from. But well, let me, let me ask you this. So, cause the, I've, I've talked over, over, over time about, um, I walked away from my own gym, from owning my own gym. I was making, you know, let's just uh, ballpark of like $12,000 a month take home. Um, and that's not the most amount of money in the world, but like I was making enough money. I just got home from prison. So like that was plenty for me at the time. I was still living with my parents and, and so I'm making $12,000 a month, but I, so that's about a hundred and, you know, $130,000 a year. 144. Okay. 144,000 a year. And I walked away from that. To, and I accepted a job at first form making $30,000 base. So how much money were you making at the ad agency? You know, was that a good situation financially? And then, and then where did you start? Because that's, I know for a fact, that's what a lot of people get hung up on. It's like, man, I'm about to walk away from this lifestyle 
that I'm able to live right now. I'm able to go out to eat whenever I want. I'm able to go on vacation whenever I want to. I'm about to, dude, I don't even know. I had, I moved into the cheapest apartment that I could find. Yeah. And for a year, I signed a lease for a year. That entire year, the only piece of furniture I had in my apartment was a bed. For that entire year, yeah, because people I was don't like, really realize how low that can get. You, you know what I mean? And I'm on the—I was in a basement apartment with two apartments above me, and people were smoking cigarettes. My apartment smelled like cigarettes all the time. When my, the first time my mom came to visit me in St. Louis, she opened—I opened the door to my apartment, and she started crying. And she was like, "Mark, you're not in, really? you're not in prison anymore. Where is your furniture? You know?" And I'm like, "Mom, it's cool. It's just a season." But by the end of that year, I went from thirty, and one year later, I was making like one twenty-five. The year after that, two hundred. Yeah. Know? So, so talk about the first trend. Like, I just want to know the if you feel comfortable sharing the yeah, numbers. Yeah. Ballpark. I was making this at the ad agency, and this is where I had to start. That's the humble. That's the humbling part. Well, the, it's a it's a loaded question. Yeah. And the reason why it's a loaded question is because I was still hustling. Okay? Ah, so, so you were good either way. <laughs> so yeah, you're, you're toxic. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if you want the truth or what? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, publicly, I've never said it, but there was times we. We we know how to make sure that you don't pay enough or pay pay the government what you should pay it. Mm -hmm. um, so made a lot more than what that showed. Got it. Um, got it. Got but, it. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know it is what it is yeah, as far yeah. as that goes. Yeah, it just is. But the next the next job, I mean, it was probably pretty comparable. You know? Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Cool. I mean, it wasn't like I wasn't a millionaire from mascot agency. You yeah. Know? Couple hundred, same over here. Couple hundred. Oh, that's awesome. So that's it, awesome. It, it ended up being so. It wasn't really humbling financially. It was just humbling. For oh your no! Ego. When I when I first went in there, no, no. So you're right for the transition. You go from making good money over here and hustling to down here. I mean, my salary was thirty six thousand dollars plus commissions. That's what I was looking for. So you basically went from being a the owner of a company, which obviously what what the company made on paper and what you make as the owner, I know is very different. Yeah. Um, so you go from being the uh, co-founder of a company to making $36,000 base. Yeah. That's what and I had a second job helping manage an online store to make ends meet at that time. So yeah. I was working all day. My lunch period, my old coworkers will say it, my lunch period, I was building a web store in our lot in our and eat lunch every day. I was working on this web store and then I go home and work on this web store yeah. nonstop all the way through it to make it because I was used to making a certain level of money. Yeah. And I had a daughter, I had a provide it child support you had all this shit that's like, what i was looking for it's yeah. like the, the period because i know there's a, in the transition there's a period where you just got to make it happen you just got to make it happen you just yeah. got to make it happen and yeah. that's what most people are scared of that's what most people they, they think they can avoid that period where you just got to make it happen and you got to do whatever it takes sometimes you got to live in an apartment that's only 560 dollars a month with no furniture for a year but you know what on the other side of that period is 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 definitely light at the end of the tunnel you know everybody says trust the process and i think it's so cliche so i don't like saying it but at the end of the day it is a process yeah like it's something you have to go through whatever you want to call that you gotta you have to go through that struggle that pain yeah you don't just get to hit fucking home runs all day long and people yeah. that do I actually, I've never really met too many people that do, you know, I've never like, met anybody that did. like that's not a reality. And yeah. people have this false sense of reality because I'll tell you what, there's more young millionaires right now online doing shit. Yeah. And all these kids see this stuff every day and they think they're going to have this easy way to just be a millionaire. Boom, boom. Yeah. Because it's, it's a lot. I mean, honestly, I give a lot of these young kids respect. Like they're figuring out a ways to make some big money they're online. Grinding. It's fucking crazy. You know, yeah. that shit didn't exist when we were younger, yeah. but it's also giving a false sense of reality of what you actually have to go through 
in the struggles you have to go through to make it on the other side. You don't get to just do that. You know, you're not yeah. just going to be a famous rapper on BET one day. Yeah. Like you got to go make sure you go through the grind first. Yeah. And that's what comes out of it at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I wonder, um, cause you're, you're God fearing. Um, you you guys go to church? Uh, we don't, but I am. Man, you need to get your shit together. I mean, I have my whole life. <laughs> I have I have my whole life. Yeah, uh, I'm a big believer in God. Yeah, you know, I mean, I got a giant cross on my back, Jesus on my back. There's thing I got Jesus all over my body, prayers, stuff like that. So, uh, but we do need to for sure. Here's I, this is an excuse, and mm. I'm gonna give an excuse. I most normally don't, but my wife works till six o'clock in the morning every single Saturday. She has since I met her six years ago. Got so it. getting up and going to church, like she's sleeping till four o'clock on there. Now I could take myself to church mm. every other week. I could take my daughter, and the other weeks I could go solo. Yeah, but I always grew up church was my family like we went together as a family Got so it. like i've never it's hard to get up and go without your wife yeah it, it yeah. is it really is now it's a lame-ass excuse uh i pray i talk to god i have my own relationship with god yeah uh, you know like i'm I, i'm very spiritual when it comes to that stuff but we do need to go to more organized stuff for my daughter's sake too was there ever a period of your life where like you got away from uh god uh no i don't no. think there's any time I so even when god. you're doing things that you don't really feel like are in line with, uh, you know, your own code. Of I still talk to him, said, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think, I, I think getting away from God and doing things that you think God's going to be pissed off at you about are two different things. No, they are, 100%. You know, yeah, you know, no, they are. And I, I I never got away from believing that he had my back, mm -hmm. but I know sure as hell I did a lot of things that pissed him off for sure. But God. I've done a lot of good things that, that, that made him happy too, you know, and like, I think it's a give and take. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. And you got to go through that type of stuff. So, so what does your, cause this has been just something I'm, I'm, I'm just now sort of getting back into. I hope you get done getting mad at me. Cause I believe the shit out of aliens too. So <laughs> yeah. they're definitely real. Yeah. But, so I mean, that's a different you topic. Know what? God you know? created everything in the universe. Exactly. So, that's why I look you know, at it. So when a religion gonna, yeah. tries to say, oh, that would change things. No, it doesn't. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't change, yeah, it doesn't change anything. He no. just, God said, let, let there be light. And he set off a chain reaction. Right? Yeah. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've 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 been a believer for quite a while now, and I, you know, I've I've have a I used to describe I have an unshakable faith in in God, right, in the general sense. But I've been recently sort of diving into religion, um, and so uh, it's just been something I've been thinking about a lot, and I like hearing other people talk about it. So, like, what is your what is your what is your relationship? Because that's how I think how I think about religion, how I think about faith is it's just a practice, and for me, even before I ever stepped in a church and participated in what people think of as religion, I had a practice. I prayed, I had, you know, I journaled, I, I have this constant dialogue with God and I'm, and I, and I always in my head, that was, not only was it good enough, that's more than most people who call themselves Christians do. And I, and I know that for a fact. I mean, you could say you go to church every Sunday, but do you, do you have this relationship with sometimes I talk to God and I cry, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like my, I'm, 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 I'm in it. Um, I talk to him every day in the car and that's what I, yeah, that's what I want to know. Like, what does that look like for you being a, being a Christian man? Yeah. I mean, I talk to him. I mean, it, it's like, and I've, then, I've you know, I got, I got a two-part question because I want you to talk about this for a little bit. This is important to me, and I know it's important to our audience. So what does it look like to be a good Christian man? What does it mean to carry the cross? What's your opinion on that? And then secondarily is Christianity as a whole. You know, how do you feel about the public perception, the way that people think about and show up as Christians today? And is there anything that maybe um, 
Yeah, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I went to a Catholic grade school, mm-hmm. so we had to go to church three days a week. Um, I did the Catholic faith to me, uh, and I'm Italian, so you know, my half my family's mm-hmm. gonna have motherfuck me for this, but um, you know, it's a business, yeah, you know, it really is. I mean. If you look at the Roman Catholic Church, it was it was law back then, you know, and that's that's what it was, you know. Mm-hmm. So I I think so my mom started going. My mom actually taught at Ferguson Florissant Elementary Airport School for a, a lot of years. She was mm-hmm. one of the only white ladies at the school and she would go to black churches uh, with her with all her best friends. And she mm-hmm. absolutely loved the culture and what they did, and how they sung and all the stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you don't do that in a Catholic church. God no. Yeah, it's 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 a stiff. totally different world. You yeah. know, it's a, it's a stiff upbringing stuff. So um, that stuff always bothered me. But what it did teach me to do is have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So when I when I'm by myself, um, I don't know about you. I talk to myself all the time. Yeah, I do a lot. But like, I'm not talking to myself. I'm talking to Him. Yeah. You know, like, and I learned that over the time that a lot of people, are you talking to yourself, like, no, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm talking to myself. But the reality is I'm talking to God because that's who I talk to when I talk to myself. I'm not talking to my brain. I'm talking to somebody, like, and that's who I, that's who I look like. That's who I address that I'm talking to. Yeah. Every, every every single day when I'm talking to myself, that's who I'm talking to. And that's what prayer looks like for you. Yeah. Daily routine. I mean, it's 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 so much like, man, how, do I, how, sh- how should I approach this person at work? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what should I do about this? Or, man, make sure you go apologize to your daughter. Or, you know, like every time of those thoughts, they're coming out in actual words in their voice. It's not just thoughts in my head. I say them out loud. Mm-hmm. And that's me talking to him. And then, I, you know, like weird signs happen. And that's how I operate my life. And you just take, take the direction. Yeah. So, so I don't believe you have to show up to church to talk. I mean, I, I would argue... Because I talk to myself, when I say all day long, bro, I talk to myself all day long. Mm-hmm. And I would argue in my head that I talk to God more than anybody else on planet Earth because I literally talk to him all day long. Yeah. Now, I don't know if other people think it the same way. If they think then they talk to themselves, they're just talking to themselves. I think you have to. I, yeah. think, I think to have a healthy, flourishing relationship with God, you've got to. You've got to. Because <clears throat> for a long time, I think I was the type of person that... Yeah. I was I was a person that only thought about God when things went wrong. When bad, yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's that that was me. That's for a long normal time. though. Or, or yeah, yeah. You for, know, I mean, for the most of society, it's yeah, normal. It doesn't I only mean thought it's about the God norm, when, but, when things went bad, and yeah. um, and I think that what a real mature and 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 and, and life giving and enriching relationship with God looks like is asking Him for advice in every situation. Man, what should I do about this? But it's 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 what you're talking about. It's it's ruminating out loud. Man, you know what? Man, I don't know. I don't know. I wonder what I should do about that person at work, or you know, man, I probably should go apologize to my dog. That's what. That's what this. That other. It's. It's the thoughts that are coming. Man, that's God. That's God giving you answers. That's yes. you. That's you humbling yourself in that moment, and and taking the time to think about it, to to ruminate on it, and giving Him a space to really let you to lead you to the right to the right uh you know the right path. That's, I think, what a, what a mature relationship looks like. And if you don't have that constant dialogue going on, you know, then what you probably are resorting to is only thinking about God when things go wrong. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, so on this, on this topic of religion, so one of, the, one of the things that really deterred me from, you know, really uh, calling myself like a Christian rather than, you know, just keeping my faith private, because I th- it's crazy what's happened. Okay, so... I've been a believer for like seven, eight years, and I've had this really healthy, productive, life-enriching relationship with God, but I never, I almost never, 
talked about it with people. Like I kind of like had this practice and I kept it to myself. Because the world told us that. They said, don't talk politics or religion with your friends. You know, and, and that's interesting, right? So, but since I started going to church again, since I started reading the Bible specifically, since I started calling myself a Christian again, um, I can't stop talking about it. And I, and I just can't. I, I don't know. That's, that's a good thing. It, it, it is cool. But I've just noticed it in myself. Like I've, I've been this person. I've, I've lived my life as if God is real for the past eight years. And I've done my best to make him proud every day. And I talk to him every day. But now that I'm, now that I'm here. And so, but for a long time, the reason why I wouldn't call myself a Christian was because, man, I just found the, the, the version of Christianity that I see in pop culture and on social media. And I, you know, I just, for me, that's, for me, I was like, man, if that's what Christianity is, that's not me. And that's why I wouldn't wear the label. And do you see the same thing? Do you oh, see yeah. it's getting watered down? It's changing over time? Because I think there's a really important role that faith and religion can play in the society that I think would be the best for everybody. But um, it seems like there's like almost like an attack on what what was traditional uh, version of religion, and it's changing into something completely different. Do you see the all same the standards thing? and depending on what church you go to are all different? It's now. crazy. Yeah, so it doesn't even matter what if you're Baptist, Lutheran, Catholic, Christian. Um, you know, it's just church to church. They're, they're like ba basically doing their own thing. They're making their own stuff up. Yeah. At the end of the day, um, um, the only one that still doesn't make their own stuff up is the Catholic Church, and they're like they're crazy. They're they're <laughs> I, I don't want to say Nazis, but they're like they're like this or nothing. You yeah. know, like. Um, that's the wrong way to say that, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but the reality is like, they're the well, only ones that still keep the same standard, but they're also the ones that are like molesting little boys. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, so like you start looking at their standard going, wait a minute, you sick fucks. Like yeah. how, how can you hold a standard and you allow that shit to and go behind on, closed you know, doors, you allow that shit to happen. Now yeah. that shit happens all over the place, but in the Catholic church, yeah, dude, happen. they proved, I mean, looked at the New York one and the Philadelphia one, they proved like thousands and thousands and thousands of priests were doing this to young boys in these cases. Really? Thousands. Yeah, go look up the New York City one and the Philadelphia one. It's absolutely insane. If that's happened in two of those places, that means it's happened in the Holy Archdiocese across the world, not just the United States, the world, Yeah. right? So then you start looking like this, the, the stuff I got brought up in, you're like, well, I don't do that. Like yeah. that that's not a good standard. So how the hell are you gonna be talking about how I could be a man of the house, but then you are behind closed doors touching little boys like yeah. you sick bastards? Yeah, does you know, that so, does that deter you from associating yourself with it? Well, the Catholic Church, absolutely. That yeah. that put that turned me off completely. Now most of my family is still Catholic and they all still go to Catholic churches because that's just part of being Italian, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah. Like it's culture at that point. It's yeah. not necessarily what you believe. You, It's your culture, you know? A lot of black people are Baptists. It's their yeah. culture, you know? Yeah. And which culture plays a big part in religion. You know, yeah. it, that's, that's if you look at the end of times, look at the Chinese culture, look at, you know, the Indian culture, the Hindus, like their culture is their religion. Yeah. You know, we, the United States is a mixture of it in our culture. We don't even know what our culture is here. It's all over the place, it's getting which means down. all your religions all over the place because your religion is a lot of big part of your culture there. Yeah. But I don't want part of my culture to be anything to do with touching people or yeah. rape and all that stuff. So I had to separate myself from that place. Well, so Grace and I go to a non-denominational. She was raised Catholic as well. Yeah. And she, now and she's Italian, but but she loves the non-denominational. My mom does too. The, the, the church we go to sounds like. You know, something something akin to what your mom went to. But yeah. like, man, we 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 love it. It's been great. But um 
you know, I, I, I think, I, I guess what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to see is, do you feel like you have a duty as a Christian? Because I, I wonder why, I, why am I talking about it so much? You know what I mean? I've, I've journaled about that two days ago. This was my, this is what I was journaling about. I was like, man, I wonder what it is that makes me talk about it so much with so many people in the shop. I'm like talking two days ago, it was Lent. First of all, only Catholics really do Lent. So like at my church, they don't do it. But you know what? I was like asking people, what you giving up for Lent? You know, like right. I'm, I'm grilling people as I'm making their coffee. <laughs> and you ain't giving <laughs> yeah. them nothing. And I'm like, well, no, 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 no. I'm fasting. I fast. I'm fasting every day. But, fa- but it's not part of your religion. You're just doing it. I'm just doing it out, yeah. of, out of respect. You know, Jesus went in, you know, uh, went and fasted 40 days, 40 nights. And, you know, I, I, I see the... I see the sentiment behind the tradition. And even though I'm not Catholic, I'm like, you know what? In solidarity with Christ, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna fast every day for 40 days too. Like, you yeah. know, just because I'm here and I'm in it. I, you know, I don't do anything halfway. I don't really do anything halfway. So now that I'm like in the book, now that I'm in the scripture, now that I'm in church, now that I'm... I'm what are you I'm, fasting? Um, I just fast for a portion of the day. So I, instead, I wake up okay. every morning at 345. So I, I don't eat until noon. My whole life, I've been the type of person I wake up and I eat immediately or yeah, 30 I minutes. To, right? I'm I, like a big breakfast person. So even for me to go from 3.45 a.m. till noon, that feels like forever for, oh, that's for me. Oh, a long time. And I want to do it every day for 40 days. So it's like, you Good know. For you. Yeah, I'm just in solidarity. But I, I think that the reason I'm talking about it so much is because, one, I think that, you know, I just, I, I kind of feel like a duty. Like if I'm if I'm in it, then, I, then I'm in it and I believe that, that the path that I'm walking is right. It's almost like me learn, me sharing the lessons that I learned through prison, like in the men's group. I feel called to do it. I feel called to share some of these things that have enriched my life so much with you guys. Do you feel that at all? Do you feel, because I don't hear you talk about religion. I don't hear you talk about God, but I know that you, you believe in God. I, I don't feel that way in yeah. the sense of, um, I feel like inside my house I do, but I don't like to put my beliefs on other people that like to help sway a choice that they make because mm-hmm. sometimes when you talk about it too much it makes people uncomfortable they feel like they're Deterrent. not doing enough you know yeah and i don't ever want to make people feel like they're not doing enough in their own life because people already have hard enough mm-hmm. lives and then they don't need me saying go to church believe in god do this do that now having a passion for it and just expressing it out there i think that's awesome that yeah. you do that you know uh, some people could take it the wrong way. Some people could take it the right way. Mm-hmm. I just personally don't do it. And so, it doesn't change my beliefs. It's just something I don't do. So what's your mission? You know what I mean? I think that, I think that the reason that, that I do that so much is like my, my, I, I gen, generally just feel called to like contribute in every way that I can. I want to, I want to leave as many people as I can to a better experience of life. Right. So the lessons from the lessons that I've learned, you know, sharing my story that might inspire somebody to believe in themselves or, you know, this this flourishing relationship with God. All these things have just enriched my life so much. And I try to give that stuff away as much as I possibly can. What is it that drives you? It's, we have the same end goal at really? the end of the day. Yeah. That all I want to do is help people. I want to yeah. I want to show people they can do something. I want to show people that their age is just a number. I want to show people to be a good man, to be yeah. a good father, to be all the things that you want to be. Um I want to show people it can be done at the end of the day. I want to show people if you actually work hard, success follows you with that stuff. Yeah. Uh, be consistent. Uh, but all the, all the same things you want, I want the same things. Mm-hmm. I believe, um, you know, I believe my voice is starting to get bigger. Um, I think it's... Well, your voice is big. Your voice it, is big. It's not, a, it's not a like, you know, when you talk, people listen. It, it, it took really me a long sick. time for me to 
us understand that a good friend of mine, Keith Houston, about two years ago, we were sitting in my house. Um, and my boy, Jason, we were just sitting there having a conversation. And, you know, he looked at me, he's like, I don't think you really realize the power your voice actually has. He's mm -hmm. like, I look at you like gravity. He's like, things just pull towards you. Yeah. And I, when they left that night, I woke up the next morning and I was like, man, that was deep. You yeah. know, no one's ever said no stuff like that to me. Uh, and then you start seeing patterns of what those, what those conversations mean and what he's talking about. Um, so then I've started to, to pick myself back up and realize that I do have a bigger voice. But now it's starting. I'm starting. I want to put it out there. Right. Well, that's and what I, I mean. So what do you talk about then? If you don't if you don't lead people to, to, to God. Right. And you're like, man, I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to push people too much. Do you just talk about the lessons you learned in life? Yeah. How to be a good man? Because you do that well. And I, I've seen it. I think I think my lessons. I think I've been like last year. I went through the last two years. I went through more pain than I can that I wish on anybody, which could have drove me away from God. You know, yeah. five of my best friends took their life right people don't go through that how does that, that happen Man, five I, I i don't even i can't even explain to you how it happens yeah five one year i wonder how that happens like and and, it, and i thought we group. were past i thought we were past people doing this you know like meaning i lost a lot of friends from to drug overdoses and stuff like that. a lot of people the amount of people in my life that have passed away is it's extremely high. And my sister always tells me that, you know, she also said, you, you have a lot of people around you and you have a lot. Yeah. So I, you when know, you I let had, a lot of people in, the numbers go up. They do. I had 18 groomsmen in my wedding. Wow. Uh, that all of those guys are in my life for 20 plus years. And then you connect all those friend groups around at that time. Like yeah. you just know a lot of people Yeah. and then people, you, you lose more people that way. Right. But those people last year, they could have drove me to, to the deep end, you know, yeah. and they did. I, I went to some dark places in my mind last year. Obviously my daughter's light always brought me back out of those places. So it was never nothing like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was, it could have taken me away from God at that point. So yeah. I could have been mad and hated and did a lot of things that I don't do. But I think my experiences that I've, I've been through so much shit. There's probably not anything that I haven't experienced at my age at this point in life. Um, and sharing those experiences with people just it 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 seems to help people. Lights you up, bro. Yeah, it, it I does. love it. I it love does. it. It lights you up. It we does. gotta keep you in the rotation at men's group. So now you're 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 a hockey coach because you get to share this stuff. Um, but one, you're like I said earlier, you lead a lot in the men's group. Um, and I love that. I, I noticed it immediately. I'm like, yeah, this dude, this dude loves, you know, contributing. Absolutely. Um, but now you coach hockey for um uh, a pretty big college hockey program, right? Lady yeah, University. we're number two in the nation right now, going into the national. No tournament. way! Oh yeah. What? How did I not know that? That's yeah. that's significant. Yeah. Oh, that's. Great. I haven't really put that one up yet because they haven't put out the national ones. But before we did this last one, we were number two in the nation behind Florida Gulf Coast right now. And you haven't lost. No, we've lost some games this year. No, no, no. I mean, since you were number two. No, no, no. We're. I mean, our, our national tournament starts March 11. We just got to buy, so we don't play into the regionals right now. So March yeah. 11, and it's in St. Louis. So when, it's all entire week. I'm gonna be putting it out to all you guys. And yeah. If we play for the national title, it'll be that Friday. Yeah, the guys are showing up, bro. All day. Guys yeah. are showing up. We're showing up. We need yeah. a box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would um, be sick. So, 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 what are some of the biggest things that you've learned through coaching other young men? You know what I mean? What are some of, is there a, is there, is there a, what, is there a big theme with you too? Like, is there one thing that you really like to instill into these guys? Yeah. Um, obviously the same things you keep, I, we keep instilling into people, work hard, show up, be on time. Yeah. Uh, what you, what happens in those four walls in the locker room, you got to have each other's back accountability. Uh, one team, one family. If you fight amongst each other, that's fine. Don't let, don't let other people see us fight amongst each other. You mm -hmm. know, same things that you want to still in your household and it's still in your business. Um, but one thing those guys have taught me uh, is to listen. 
you know, I put out a post recently about angles. Like my daughter and hockey are the two things that taught me that thing. Um, Cause the world these kids are growing up in is way different than where we were growing up in, you know, and this experiences that these guys have outside the hockey rink, I can't even relate to it. You know, mm -hmm. we were getting in fist fights at bars. These guys got weird shit going online, you know, like it, it it's not even the same experiences. So yeah. when I try to teach them, how to live like how I lived in college, it wasn't even the fucking same, you mm -hmm. know? So we have to see it from their eyes and the angles and the things they go through every day. I mean, we have kids sometimes that like, we give days off for mental health, you know? It, that wasn't a thing when I was in college. It was never a thing. You know, but I mean, you physically see these kids break down sometimes because they're on the ice five days a week. They got, they got school so much. They got girlfriends they never had. They're, some of these guys are in from different countries and have no support behind them, you know? Yeah. And... I, it's very easy to say, shut the fuck Man, up. Man, we get did on that too, though. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I I mean, it, it's different, you know? I mean, it, before it was like, shut the fuck up and get on the ice. But then yeah. sometimes you got to you gotta take a step back. And they've taught me to, like, literally take a step back and try to see things through their eyes and see what they're experiencing before you start drilling them. Now, when you take the step back and you go, man, you're soft. You're being soft. Then, then, yeah. then you, we're going to tell you you're being soft. But then every once in a while, you take a step back and you're like, Man, they're not being soft. It, they, actually, I, I get what he's saying. You know, yeah. it's not often. Yeah. You know, but it does happen. So you can't you can't like neglect it and say that it doesn't happen. And if you're not opening your eyes to it, you're never going to grow as a coach. Yeah. You're never going to grow as a leader. Never going to grow as anything like that if you're only seeing your way the whole time. Yeah. You know, because I'm not I'm not ancient. I'm not 75, 80 years old. I'm 42 years old. There's so much shit I got to learn. Yeah. And I got to be open to it. And you never know who you're going to learn it from. I learned things from you. You're 12 years younger than me, 10, 11 years younger than me. Yeah. Right. That doesn't mean I can't learn something from an 18 year old kid that yeah. he says something. I'm like, shit, man. I, okay. Thank you. You know, thank you. Thank right. You. Yeah. And if you're not open to that, you're, you're missing out on a whole bunch of stuff in life. You're and those are those, those what those guys have taught me over the last 10 years. That's sick, dude. Man, I think, I think it's so cool. And it's, uh, I don't know, man. There's something there's something so fulfilling about you know being in a servant leader type role where like you have people that look up to you and and a lot of times they don't even realize how much you need them. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've just been fortunate that to be in like a leadership role in in varying points in my life and like man, like even now, like even now putting like the men's group together and you know, kind of being the servant leader here, man, I, it, it gives me life. It gives me so much life and I learned so much from it. Have you had like a favorite, I don't want to say a favorite cause I'm, I'm not necessarily looking for, um, like a positive, like a great celebratory moment, but like a, a best learning moment, growth moment as a coach, like an interaction with a kid where, or like a kid that maybe wasn't very promising and, and something clicked for him. And, you know, did, have you had any moments like that, that you just remember you look back on and be like, man, that was like one of the most rewarding moments of my coaching career. I'll tell you what, um, that's a tough question because we had a lot of moments like that mm -hmm. over the years coaching. I'll tell you the ones that I learned the most from yeah. is not winning the final game at the end of the year. Oof. Uh, it teaches you a lot about your players how they were going to respond to loss in their life, how you respond to loss in your life. We played for the national title once. We've been in the final four three times since I've been coaching. Yeah. Um, but we haven't won that final game, not at my team. And that that losing that final game has taught me more about life than almost anything else besides my dad in life. Like what? 
how you respond, yeah. how you come back, how you work harder. Um, do you point fingers? Are you saying we did everything we possibly could? And even if you know somebody didn't, do you put your arm around them and say, man, it's all right. We'll do it again sometime. We got next year. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you respond to that? Or are you the type of person that motherfucks everybody in the room, and blames everybody else? Yeah. We didn't win. That's your fault. You didn't do your job there. Like, yeah. how do people stick together when they come out of a battle? You know, and that's that's when you know you actually have a team, or you have a bunch of groups of individual pockets in that team. Yeah, uh, if a whole team says we lost, guys, let's do it together. And we've coached teams that have individual pockets that just point fingers at each other. You yeah. know, so you I've seen all different types of versions of it, but it all came from losing that last game. You see who your players really are. You see your coaching staff really is after you lose that last game. Man, I can't even imagine that. Playing for a national title and then losing. And then losing. I can't. We had to put, we had to watch somebody put Florida Gulf Coast, the other team right now that's number one in front of us. We had to watch as they got a, a medal put around their necks standing on the ice, you know, because you can't get off the ice. Like it's part of the, it's part of the game. Damn. It's a miserable feeling, That's bro. That's insane. Yo, you're about to win. Imagine uh, it, all the guys show up, all your people show up. And it up, happens in St. Louis. And it happens in St. Louis, and we win. That's oh, what I'm saying. It's man. going down this Bro, show. it's going to happen. That's, it's going to happen. We're speaking into existence Yeah, we're right manifesting now. that right now. Yeah, like, like, right now. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, crazy. it would be, it'd be one of the coolest experiences of my entire life. Think about the year that this would be for you. Yeah. Because you'd win the national title. We're growing the men's group. And I say work because you're playing a big role in this. Like I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't tell you enough how much I appreciate it. But I appreciate that. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna grow this men's group, and it's gonna be really impactful here it in is, in, Saint, in Saint Louis. Um, it's gonna be crazy with the next five years with the with the bro. with the building, like all the stuff, man. Like I, I go home and visualize this thing, man. And I, man, I, <laughs> will you bring up Peaky Blinders? <laughs> That's what we're going to be wearing up in that <laughs> you know, thing. That's us. That's, that's us. us. There's going to be a dress code in that. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Well, so people like, don't know about that yet. So let's, <laughs> right, you my know. Bad, my bad. <laughs> but, but think about this year um, because we got the, the men's group going, right? And we're really doing something powerful with that. You win the national title and then New Age. New yeah. Age is blowing up. So let's talk about New Age because you just, you just actually quit your full-time career. Um, you know, your safety net. You just quit. You walked away from your safety net, put your two weeks in. And you know what? I have to get this is this is just another like just to give you guys a picture of Rocco. You know, he's such a player. This guy was like, man, at the end of one of the men's groups, he's like, listen, I'm putting my two weeks in. Um, but you know what? Something I want to do. And he wrote down as his thing that he's going to do or accomplish or work on before the next group. He said he's going to do everything possible so that when he leaves, the next person is set up perfectly. They don't have to do no homework. They don't have to. Instead of like putting his two weeks in and leaving the place a mess, he 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 shared that with, with me. Like, no, nah, I'm going to make sure I do it right so that nobody ever left more gracefully than I did. So I think that's awesome. I, and I think that was worth mentioning. But thank you. Um, you leave, and now you're all in on New Age. So talk about New Age. Whose idea was it? First of all, I, I'm still, I don't know anything about it. It was mine. So it was your idea. You got into it with a couple partners. But now it seems to be blowing up, seems to be doing well. So you're on a mission to help people. So let's talk about that. Yeah, it was it was mine. Um, I came up. It, it was uh, it was actually at the Lake of the Ozarks on the dock with a, a buddy of mine that um, we had a conversation about it and uh, kind of took wings. Went to my one of my best friends, Steve Strick. I was like, hey, I got this idea because he's always like, if you ever got an idea, tell me about it. I was like, cool, I got one. And he was like, how much money do you need? I was like, really? Yeah, I was like. Yeah, I didn't ask you for money yet, yeah. but I, I need. But I'll take some. Yeah, but I, but I, but yes, yes, and his, you know, his wife's awesome, Kathy. First of all, I'm, it speaks volumes. 
it speaks volumes that when you tell somebody, hey, I have an idea, that they would say how much money you need. For real. Because most people, and maybe you don't have this perspective because I know this just from the short period of time that I've known you, but you have a tight circle. And you have people that trust you and respect you in your circle. But I think that most people, 99% of people, and, that, and that's a big number. I'm saying that with intention. 99% of people don't have somebody in their life that would just be like, how much money do you need? hundred yeah, Yes, for absolutely. Real. It's a huge deal, dude. Yeah, and my boy Joe Yak, um, he, he actually... Like that guy. Yeah. He, I got to uh, connect with him. Uh, definitely. You guys definitely got to connect. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I want him... Like, he, his, he's, he's so creative, man. Really? He's unbelievable creative. But, yeah. you know, when he first heard the story, too, this was almost two years ago that we were talking about at the gym and he said something very similar. He's like, man, they, they did that because of who you are mm-hmm. and you know, all that stuff. And it, it, but it also it speaks, homes. it also, it also speaks to like just the, the fabric too of the social circle. Right. Like that's, I mean, that's what we're trying to build here too. Something where if somebody has an idea that there's, there's not a lack of resources or people or help or time or whatever that's available to bring this thing to life because some people have great ideas but yeah. they just don't have the resources one day to bring I'm, to life. I'm off this thing i'm gonna tell you my idea that i think you like touched on something that i like have written down in a notebook that, really yeah all right yeah all yeah. right but tell me the story though new age but yeah so i i presented to steve he was like so we talked to his wife and kathy she's the boss you know and she's like i love the idea yeah um so then I said, I know who I want our other partner to be in this thing, and it's Jason. Yeah. Because uh, he did a bunch of things at Drunken Fish and very good at operations. So formed together this team and then took he's off a, to the races. He's a player. Look, I he's like, great, man. I like Jason a lot. Yeah, he, He's smooth cat. You know, I haven't quite gotten as close with him as you because I, we, we talk more. But, man, Jason seems like a cool cat. Um, and our skill set are totally different. Yeah. You know, like you can't have two of the same people in the same business. One's got to go. Yeah. Like it's just – just is what it is, yeah. you know? And we don't have any overlaps in our business. That's what the beauty about it. Like our whole senior leadership team, mm-hmm. everybody does something different and everybody knows what they're doing is different. And yeah. everybody, we have great meetings from it. We have good communication from it. When those problems happen is where people don't understand what their role is in the business. Yeah. And we, we've kind of established those things over the years. Yeah, um, because partnerships are hard. Very hard. Yeah. And we have five people in our partnership. Oh, really? I thought yeah. it was just three. No, there's two other ones that are kind of, uh, our doctor and another one's kind of, you know, on the on silent yeah yeah um, but it helps out with a lot of stuff mm-hmm. um but you know it's nobody has any overlap on yeah. there nobody does but yeah i mean but talk about the, the 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 concept itself uh, so you guys are helping people here in st louis yeah absolutely uh i started trt about nine years ago mm-hmm. changed my entire life um and it's very easy to have a, and that's what got me really intrigued about it in the first place because I didn't really realize. So when I started TRT, right, it, I didn't, I wasn't doing it the right way. I wasn't in a clinic doing it. You know, I was doing some bullshit on the side. Yeah, you uh, bought it off of Amazon. Yeah, and I, <laughs> it, I, you, it probably felt like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but you know, then I started doing it the right way, and I was like, oh shit, this is a, th- 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 you could do this. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I didn't realize you could even do shit like this. That's mm-hmm. what got me really intrigued about it. And then years went on, and I was like, man, I, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, how much it helped my life and changed who I am as a person. Um, it's tough to even put into words because a lot of people have a big fear about doing it. Uh, and I dove all the way in and I was like, it, it made me, it made my life better, relationships better, confidence better, mm-hmm. everything about me changed. And I'm like, yeah. it's very easy to talk. Like, I don't look at anything that we do anymore. There's no sales pitch involved in it because it's a medical field for one. And two, it's very easy to tell somebody how good you feel when you actually feel good from doing something. Yeah. So it was very natural for me to have the conversation. It got me really excited about it, and I wanted to be in the industry. I came from the fitness industry, went to marketing, came back to the fitness industry. So so, so you, you consider it the fitness industry because I think when people 
typically think about hormone replacement or when they think about steroids is is really the term that a lot of people will will understand but when they think about that they associate it with like bodybuilding and athletes and you know performance enhancing things but really um i look at his weight loss i look at his recovery there's a there's a ton of things but but what the point i'm trying to make is there's a real problem in our society right now with first of all i think that there's generally culturally an attack on the concept of being a masculine man oh big time and then without putting my tinfoil hat on and being a, a super conspiracy theorist, <laughs> there's, there's evidence that the average testosterone level of a 30-year-old man today versus the average level of testosterone um, of a 30 year old man 50 years ago is drastically different. Drastically. And, and that so, is so drastic. Dra- like drastically different. Yep. And... And th- this is there's evidence of this. So yeah, now no the tinfoil hat is it's the food supply. It's what's in our water. I, I think that there's a number of factors that are contributing to the fact that men. But all that aside, the reality is there is an actual crisis. There's an actual situation where men are lacking in this hormone that makes them men. That yeah. literally that literally I mean, it is, it is essential to. Uh, all of the things that that make men show up the way that they do and play the role that they've played. And women. And, and women. And 100%, women. 100%. Testosterone is like a very strong, makes strong women. Mm-hmm. It's, their, it's their sex drives, their libido, mm-hmm. it's their confidence. Yeah. It's the, it's the fountain youth for men and women. Yes. So there's this problem in society. And so even a f- fitness industry aside, men need this. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, a, it's a, I think that this problem is a huge reason why we have you know, this beta male epidemic, you know, in society where men aren't playing the role that they need to at work. They're not playing the role that they need to in their homes as a husband, as a father. Um, And even the whole situation of gender roles is changing. And um, the dynamic between men and women is changing. The way that we think about gender and the traditional masculine man is changing. And certainly I would say that if this is not at the root of the problem, it's a contributing factor. And so you are contributing to society in a major way by, so new age, just to be clear for everybody, cause we haven't actually said it, is a, is a, is a, is a hormone replacement therapy clinic. Yep. And you guys are actually opening a bunch of these. Yep. But in addition to um, hormone replacement therapy and testosterone therapy, um, you guys do a whole bunch of other things too. Yep. And so that's where the fitness element comes in and the health element comes in. So talk more about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your medical weight loss stuff, you know, there's a lot of negative stuff that goes behind taking yeah. semaglutide, all those other stuff that goes along with it. Yeah. Uh, but we also, um, you know, yes, certain people that get to a certain weight and overweight, um, they, they got themselves to there, right? Yeah. But we want to get them away from there. So instead of just dogging these people and putting down on there, it's still giving them a little kick in the butt mm-hmm. saying, all right, here, we're going to give you a little energy. We're going to give you a little stuff to suppress your appetite. We're going to give you a little bit to you know, help you start losing that weight. Um, now it's on them on the other side to make sure they're eating right to make and get those to decisions. the gyms. Yeah. But like, we're not just saying, here's this medical weight loss thing. Just go sit on the couch and no. just, just go do that. Right. We're like, here, download this first form app because mm-hmm. we have a, a co-branded app with those guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, we scan the QR code, get inside our new age first form community on there. So we'll get you but, a diet. We'll get you workouts that you can do. Yes. And we'll get you this medical weight loss treatment 
that will help you yes. along the way. But we, what we're truly invested in actually helping you make this lifestyle change that you need to make. Exactly. Dude, and it's incredible. so rewarding watching these people. You know, we have people losing 70, 80, 100 pounds that come in. Their entire life is different. Like yeah. every single aspect of their life is different. And you watch these people change right in front of your face. And if that doesn't get you hype, I don't, man, you don't even have a fucking soul, right? Yeah. You see these people like just crying, like their, their relationship's better. Now they're having sex again with their spouses. Mm -hmm. You're just like, fuck yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah go let's get go. It. Yeah. yeah. If and, that doesn't light you up, I need more of that. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. drives the shit out of me every day. You yeah. know, my favorite part about being in a clinic is literally walking around talking to people all day long. Jason tells me that all the time. He's like, you love this shit. I'm like, I mean, I love it. I, I just, love it. I yeah. just go talking to everybody in there all day long. It's just what I do. I love talking to people yeah. and hearing their stories and helping them out. It's the best part about this entire thing. But that's... It, it, it to me it is the fitness industry it's the health industry but it's the fitness industry mm -hmm. it all ties together just like first form supplements mm -hmm. we're supplementation mm -hmm. you know and they're both directly involved with fitness yeah yeah I, I i say often i really don't think that you can first of all i don't think that you can optimize your life experience and have the best experience that you have the opportunity to have if you don't take care of your physical health. I'm never going to listen to an out of shape person. I don't think so. I don't yeah. care what success you've had in your life. I don't, I don't care how many rich you are. Man, if you were it's, out of shape, I just can't look at you It's a, It's a prerequisite. I can't take you seriously, 100%. But also, you owe it to yourself, man. You owe it to yourself, man. Life is a beautiful gift, and you're just you're just taking it for granted if you don't take care of your health. Yeah. Um, and watch the people take charge of it and they're not fully in shape yet that's different i'm talking about somebody that's preaching to me telling me how to live my life but you're it, out of shape it, you're out of shape and you you eat pop tarts and ding dongs all day long yeah like i can't hear as even I'm, as i'm eating a muffin yeah but it's <laughs> but like I'm goes in one, i'm ready yeah it goes in one ear and out the other i don't yeah. care what you're talking about yeah right yeah, there. yeah no but i've heard you okay so um i i want to put this in perspective for people because new age is doing tremendously well um it's already helped a lot of guys that I record that I, you know, that I talk to here at the men's group. I'm telling guys, yo, go get your blood work done, blah, blah, blah. And and everybody's loving it. But you guys started New Age how long ago? And then how many locations are you up to now? So we started 20 months ago. 20 months ago. So not even two full years. Yeah. We're and about where to we open up our third location yeah. in Lake St. Louis. Yeah. Um, and 60 days are about to open up a franchise in Overland Park, Kansas. That build-out's almost done. So it should be open by mid-April. Yeah. And um, surprise, we just signed uh, an LOI in De Pere um, by Manchester Mall right across the street from Circle 7 Ranch. So yep. negotiations went great. My partner, Steve Strick, knocked it out of the fucking park. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be our fifth location over there. And we'll look to a sixth a six one another franchise by the end of the year. That's sick. Yeah. That's sick. So and then my goal is a thousand. I'm not I, stopping until I hit a thousand. I hear you talk, man. I hear you talk about it. And I and truly I have no doubt. Like I have no I doubt. I am not stopping. But already, but to say two years in, you're gonna have six locations, two years in, that's re that's really incredible. And and I heard you talk in the men's group about, you know, we've talked about the marketing agency, the music industry, we talked about humbling yourself and and going from being you know a partner ceo president of a company to being the bottom man on the totem pole and then working in you know uh i guess corporate america for lack of a better word for several years and you talked about that process giving you things you wouldn't you wouldn't be where you are right now and new age wouldn't be what it is right now if you hadn't gone through all of those processes yep. um so talk a little bit about 
um, just how how valuable that experience was to to where you're at now. Because I see you now, and I know that you're happy. You texted me the day that you put your two weeks in. And you're yeah, like, dude, I, I just did it. I'm done. So I see all the excitement, all the energy. Um, yeah, just talk a little bit about the value of everything that led up into this moment, and maybe you know how, how important that was to where you're at now. Yeah, I mean, the value of it was uh, invaluable. At the end of the day, I wouldn't. Um, to be able to grow a company, like I was saying, to the size that I want to grow this thing to, that we want to grow this thing to, um, I had to understand the inner structure of a company. But yeah. here's another thing. As I was working inside Thrive, yeah, we hadn't even thought of this yet. Yeah. And now after I leave Thrive, now it's a business. So I never knew that all those years was an education for me. At, at the time, I was like, this is a job. This is a career. It's a really good career. But I didn't realize that I was getting my education that I needed yeah. to be able to take this business to the next step. So that's another thing. If you don't believe in God, there's no way that path crosses without some help from up top. You yeah. know? And I literally got the education that I needed to understand how to scale a business to the size I want to scale it to. Because a lot of people go and open up a couple locations. Then you get to more and you're like, all right, now we got to back up because now we have to figure out a way to make an HR system. Now we got to figure out a way to make a payroll system. Now we got to figure out a way to make a CRM work. Um, and they don't start out with that stuff. We started out with that stuff because we knew from the start, this is how you scale. Yeah. We want to be able to duplicate it over and over and over and over again. So, so I got an education out of it. With three locations, because of all the time you spent at the career that actually humbled you, that you actually, that was actually never part of the plan, but then, you know, was something that you took on because you're like, man, this is what I have to do right now. This is the period that's going to suck. So because of everything that you learned through that period, with three locations, you're operating in the same exact way that you'll operate with a thousand because you put all those systems in place because of what you learned at Thrive. Yes. That's crazy. Correct. That is and freaking then, crazy. And then I got some education from my business partners. You yeah. know, Steve and Kathy, they run very successful real estate companies, a real estate company and a mortgage company, yeah. you know, um, watching how Steve builds his sales team and stuff like that because he's going to build us a sales team to sell this thing across the nation, right? Yeah. So he's going to have sales reps across everywhere yeah so watching how he operates and how he moves and how that stuff goes yeah. is an education Still for myself learning. as way yeah. you know like um and i and all i just want to keep learning i just yeah. want to keep doing but you're right just exactly what i watched these guys the guy at thrive named joe walsh he bought up 77 companies to build a company so he just keep buying a company bring the accounts in buy the company bring the accounts in buy the company bring the accounts in and watch how he pieced this thing together was like unbelievable really? like he's a genius and i'm like okay now we're not going to go buy a bunch of these companies but how do you scale all those different companies is the same thing you just got to have the same process in place all the way through them. yeah just put the crm in but yo that's crazy yeah that's great i'm excited for you to build it man but that i'm very excited so to the point is okay we got this men's group going on you got the playing for the national championship here coming up and then and then you know new age is really starting to take dude i'm really excited for you man and i appreciate I really, it man. i'm pumped too because i'll get to learn a lot by watching you it went from literally the worst year i could have been through in my life to yeah i'm gonna make this the best year i've been in my life and it's gonna be. it's you know it, being able to say one to go to the other is pretty crazy yeah dude that's awesome man dude how did you find the uh yeah you found the omen community via uh, the, the acquaintance yeah dude, what has been what is what you know what has uh you know been coming around here means meant to you it's changed my life i just told tim that last night the guy was hanging out afterwards my boy tim with the oh, glasses yeah, yeah, yeah so i at, outside i even told him that i said it like it changed my life the power that you've instilled in a sense of writing something down for two weeks mm -hmm. and saying you're going to do it a lot of people like you know i used to think of it on too large of a scale I used to be like, all right, I need to do this for an entire year. I need to do this for five years. I need to do this for four months. 
fuck that. Just break it down in two-week increments, you know, mm-hmm. day by day, brick by brick, right? But that two-week increment um, and coming back and, like, not have done anything. I didn't, I didn't have – I wasn't able to say I did something for a while because I kept writing down two crazy goals that, like, I couldn't accomplish. And I was, like, shaming myself. And I was like, all right, idiot. Here's what you, but this is what he's meaning by this. Mm-hmm. Write it down. Write something down that you can't accomplish that you're not doing right now, and stair step into it. Then all of a sudden, now those become easy. Then the bigger ones you start tackling down and go, okay. So I had to, I had to crawl before I could walk. Yes. And then this is how I get to be able to tackle these big ones. Yeah. And that concept by itself changed my life. Journaling changed my life. Yeah. You know, certain things that. That, like I said, I'm learning from you, you yeah. know, and there's certain things that this men's group changed my life. I, I've always had a lot of people around me, so it's, it's different in the sense that you say you didn't. My entire, like I said, I had 18 grooms, but I have a lot of good people around me. A lot of people, they'll take a fucking bullet for me and go to war for me, mm-hmm. and you're slowly starting to meet these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've been in my life for a long-ass time, so I've never, I've never not had a good group of people around me. Mm-hmm. And honestly... I can't wait to keep bringing my good group of people to these people because I believe I, I'm surrounded by the best group of people that I have been my entire life. And I'm super excited that my friends are becoming your friends mm-hmm. and they're all intermingling at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I, I like being around good men. I like being around positive men. And I think this group is, yeah. is it just, it, it's changed me, man. Well, I've seen, I've seen you start to stare step. You know what I actually think about? When I actually think you started executing was when we, when we changed from just writing the thing down to writing it down Show and showing it. it to somebody. 100%. 100%. Bro. All once day. We, once, once. Because I didn't, I, there's no way I wasn't going to show it yeah. and not do it. You know, I don't, I I don't want to be that see guy. What you wrote down. How am I going to lead in that group or in my anything if yeah. I'm not doing the shit I'm writing down? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like. 100%, bro. And then on top of it, I'm showing you every week. So I'm not just showing somebody <laughs> that might not show up. I'm showing the person that's going to show I'm up gonna every show week. I'm going to show up, yeah. So, like, I don't have a choice yeah. at that point. Yeah. So then I just, then, then I started holding myself accountable, and it changed the way I, I operate on a day-to-day basis. People have such a negative perception of accountability. You know what I mean? Like, I need it. Which I, is a soft I, motherfucker. No, I, I crave it. Yeah. Like, I crave it. Like, if you're not holding me accountable, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because I could do everything else on my own. I could fuck life up on my own. I can I cannot follow through on commitments that I made to myself on my own. You know, I cannot show up as the best version of me on my own. If you're in my life and you're not holding me accountable, but when you try to hold people accountable, sometimes people like people, people have a real negative perception of it. And it's like, I don't know, man. I think your life gets so much richer when you have layers and layers and layers of accountability. Like, even this is so simple. Writing something down, showing it to somebody that you know will actually ask you later, hey, did you ever ever end up doing that? Right. Um, yeah, I've watched you, man, adopt some of these things. Your new morning routine. Yeah. 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 Man. Now I'm on my you now know what that did? morning person. You know, you know what that did for me too? And I did, I haven't shared this in the group yet, but that morning routine. I, I like to enjoy a bourbon and a cigar. Yeah. You know, come Thursday, Friday, that that's something I like to do. I can't have a bourbon and cigar at night if I'm gonna wake up at 5 30 in the morning and get to the gym. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. So it took that out of my life from yeah. Monday through Friday. Um, I don't have a never in my life I had a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. And when I when I have a couple of bourbons, it's it's a couple. It's not just like I'm out there is, getting yeah. handled. Mm-hmm. But I can't function and work out the way I, I'm just my body doesn't recover. Like, yeah, the next morning is, is gonna be some ruined. of my partners and stuff, dude, they could be fucking blacked out and wake up the next day and get to the gym. I just can't. My body doesn't do that. Yeah. So like it's it's made sure that during the week 
I'm focused. I'm doing this. You know, I'll join myself on a Friday and Saturday, but Sunday it's cut off. Monday through Thursday it's cut off. Yeah. And it keeps my routine going right now. I really love and that, man. It, it changed that big time in my life. Well, sometimes I've, I've actually, it's been a theme for me for years now is, you know, I always say I want to focus on creating healthy habits, not restrictions. Because when I think in a restrictive nature, sometimes I get, I take it too far. Like it's just my, it's just my nature. I take it too far. I end up with problems, you know? Yeah. Um, so what I've always tried to do is create new healthy habits and they naturally take the place of the unhealthy ones. The unhealthy ones, I don't have room for them if I'm seriously committed for the health. Exactly. Ones. And that's exactly what you're talking about. That's yeah. such a powerful concept. It's hundred percent what I'm talking about. I can't, if I, if I have a goal to make this a thousand clinics, which would turn us into a two to $3 billion company. Gotta be sharp, bro. I, I have to, turn myself into somebody I've never been. Exactly. And the person you've been up until this point can't do that. Can't do that. Yes. It's not possible. Ooh. And I have to change who I am to make sure that I'm able to lead the way I want to lead. Bro, that is some freaking gold right there. Jack, you get that? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a clip. He said, man, that's so powerful, man. The person you've been up until this point is not going to get... No, Andy used to say, what got us to this point is not going to get us to where we need to go. You know, so you're going to have to, everybody in here is going to have to continue to keep growing, continue to keep learning because we're going to need to become a completely different person. That's crazy. Yep. Uh, well, dude, I can't tell you how grateful I am for your friendship. And, Same, uh, brother. It's been, it's all, and we're just getting started. And we're just getting started. Honestly. Yeah, we we're got some, getting, we got some big visions, big goals together, man. I got some I got, growing to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, but man, thank you so much for being a part of, of the team, being a part of the group. Um, but thank for you for being a part of my life now, Yeah, man. And that's, what, that's what I was going with this, and for being yeah. a part of my life, man. I'm, I'm really grateful for it, and uh, I'm grateful for your time tonight, too, man. Appreciate um, it, man. So, guys, follow... Um, Follow New Age on social media. I mean, give those guys some support. Obviously, we live in a world where that stuff is important. So New Age is N-E-U-A-G-E. If you're local to St. Louis, um, stop in, man. Stop in. Um, you know, even something that I've learned since I got a... Um, you know, since I've been in touch with Rocky. I'm, I'm somebody that I, I literally have not been in a... I mean, you guys are going to think I'm dramatic. I haven't been in a doctor's office for, like, 10 years, maybe more. I hadn't been until like for, two for, years ago. For real, yeah. for real, maybe more. And so like, trust me, when you, when I say this, it's not because I'm like, uh, you know, go to the doctor and get your quarterly check. I'm not that kind of person. But I went into New Age just to get my blood work done. Um, just really at, at Rocky's insistence, man. He talked about he had like a, a cancer scare and, and, and really the only way that they caught it was him deciding to go in and, and get screened for something that it wasn't on the schedule. He just decided to go check you know, take a peek below the hood. And I heard him talk about that. And it really inspired me to just go take a peek below the hood. Yep. And so I went in a new age and I got my blood work done. You know, fortunately, I haven't been to a doctor in a decade, but I'm healthy as an ox. I'm, <laughs> I'm healthy as <laughs> an ox. Most people aren't though. You know, but most people aren't. Exactly. I've been really, in, that's something that, man, I could go off on this. But during COVID, that really pissed me off. People were trying to say, you know, shame me for not getting vaccinated. But it's like, motherfucker, you are worried. I've been training for that my whole life. Exactly. You're worried about COVID because you haven't thought about taking care of your health until now. Yeah. I've been investing in my physical health for a fucking decade. I've been eating the meals, passing up on the fucking ho-hos, going for the run. I've been running in the rain. And now you want to peer pressure me and again vaccinated so that I can keep you safe? No, you should have kept yourself safe for the last decade like I did. You yeah. know, but anyway, I went in. Healthy as an ox, but it was really, really cool because when I got the blood work done, they call me, they call you back a couple of days later 
Um, so you can go in and go over your results. They don't just call you like they do at the doctor's office and be like, hey, you're good. Like, what is that? What does that <laughs> right. fucking mean? You know, but that's the truth. I, I haven't heard it like that. That's the truth. I've heard you're some good. horror. Talk yeah. to you later. Bye. I've heard some horror stories. Like people go to their doctor and say, hey, can I get some blood work? I really want to see what my my levels are. And the doctor calls them and they don't call them in. They call them and they're like, hey, everything looks good. You're good. You don't have to come back in. What do you mean? So so these guys at New Age, they call me back in. I go in. And first of all, it didn't cost me anything to go back in. I got more of their time and I have this nurse practitioner sit down with me and go over every single line and say, hey, this is what this is right here. This is this is the protein in your blood that's an indicator for this. Here's here's your vitamin levels. Here's your mineral levels. Here's your hormone levels, everything. Here's the acceptable range. Here's the normal range, but here's the optimal range. So they explained everything to me. I figured out that I was the only thing that was, you know, sort of of note was I was I was low in vitamin D, which most people are. Um, and Actually, if you guys haven't um, seen any of the correlations between vitamin D levels and your ability to prevent um, getting COVID or recovering from COVID, there's like a real strong correlation there. So vitamin D is something that people really should look into. Not only that, but it affects your energy levels on a daily basis and your mood. Like it's it's like Man, your mood's so big. Your, your mood, it's like a drug. Like if yeah. you get if you get your vitamin D levels up, you're like happier person oh, all day, and you have more energy. So anyway, it was really cool that they highlighted that for me. My levels were shit. I think you're supposed to be. I can't remember where she said you're supposed to be. Like. 60, 50, something like that. I was, that's, that's what number I don't have on the top of my head. Most I, was at, I was at 19. So not even in the ballpark. Um, so anyway, it was really cool. But I had an amazing experience. And then not only that, but like I'm, I'm really big on like if you're going to do this stuff, do it with somebody that you know. Do it with somebody that's in it for the right reason. Do it for somebody that lives in the same community that you live in. So if you're in St. Louis, um, you know, and, and, and not only we didn't even touch on it, but not only getting your blood work done. And this is not just for men. We talked about testosterone. Um, it's really good for for females too, but also they have like the hangover cure, which is like an IV drip you can yeah. get after you party for a night. We all like to party. Um, they have uh, obviously all the vitamin and mineral shots that you can get. Um, a whole a whole slew of services. So guys, not only follow them on social media, but remember if if something like this comes up, you know you need to check your vitamin D levels. You need to check your 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 testosterone levels, guys. If you've been sleepy you know, or low energy, you know, low sex drive, anything's anything's out of whack and you don't feel like you're the best that you could be. It could be a number of things. It could be testosterone. It could be vitamin levels. It could be a number of things. But I, I'm telling you right now, going in and just taking a peek below the hood, it made me feel so much better. Um, so anyway, guys, yeah, show Rocky some support. Anywhere else you got, you want these guys to look you up? Uh, social media page, Instagram. Your your yeah. personal Instagram? What yeah. is it? I don't know. John Rocco Eight. John Rocco Eight. So yeah. John, is it a dot in there somewhere? It's or? a underscore Rocco Eight. John underscore Rocco Eight. Yeah, follow him on Instagram because I know you're gonna start producing content. Yeah, a lot more. I forgot. I almost out. forgot about that. Yeah, you weren't before because you were at your job and you didn't want everybody to know that you were leaving. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I put you on blast. That's that's, the, that's real talk. <laughs> uh, he, he did but, it before, but now he's gonna start putting out content. And, and dude, you know what? Too with that content too. Um, besides just that too, uh, seeing content you guys create, being around people creating content, being around Joey yeah creating content, being around Murph creating content, you creating content. And then people asking me to be a part of it, it just, it's been a natural fit. And people are, people are being responsive to it. Like it's working, you I know? Mean, dude, and, and I just, uh, I don't put anything out there that I don't believe and I don't live that life. And I, there's nothing I, I will ever bullshit anybody on. So, well, the world needs more 
better male role models. Like it really does. And I, I don't know why I think in this grand way all the time. And, and you're one of my favorite people to learn from. So if you're one of my favorite people to learn from, I know for a fact, and I don't just learn from anybody. I don't take, I don't take advice from nobody. I don't like, I don't know, but I know that, that you have a lot to offer the world. So thank you I so much guys. That. Thank you, Rocco. Um, and we'll talk to you next time guys.